Bearcat Bounce Podcast. Back at it again. It's a Monday, guys. It's a it's a beautiful Monday. It's a Monday following the conclusion of year two of the West Miller era here in Cincinnati. It's it's the re-beginning again of spring practice under year one of Coach Scott Satterfield. It is also the opening of the beautiful transfer portal for basketball and off-season for basketball and every single thing that comes with it. And it's also a Monday where we get to welcome in a very special guest, a, a, a guy who hopefully will be one to join us for, for many a time from here on out. It's also a Monday where I get to welcome in my guys that I'm always here with, my pals, my, my trio. That's right. Without further ado, Aaron Smith, Chad Brendel, and Ryan Royer. Gentlemen, Ryan, not here yet. But guys, how are we? Chad and Aaron, we'll get to you, Nico. Um, I'm at mom's, as you can see from the background. This is not my normal standard background because, you know, Athens power grid is, uh, according to Dave, put together with Lincoln Logs and Silly String. So with You're that, not wrong. I, I agree. Uh, with that said, I'm I'm not doing well, but we're we're making it. Okay. You're rough in it, Chad. How are we? Good, good. Had a uh, had a nice volleyball dad weekend down in beautiful Lexington, Kentucky. Mm. Heartbreaker, heartbreaker of a loss in the quarterfinals. They had a 14 to nine lead. You played a 15 mm. in the third set, 14 to nine, and lost 17 to 15. Uh, to advance to the semifinals, but they bounced back. They uh, they got the the fifth place win uh, shortly after that. Which, like, I'm gonna tell you something. These volleyball things. There's one thing about these volleyball things that are unlike anything I've been a part of, and that is the girls in between games have to officiate the other games. So, like, be the line judges ah, and do the yep. scorebook. So we were in a situation where we had a two o'clock Sunday afternoon was the final game. And if they won, we got to go and get back on the road and come back home. And if they lost, we would have had to have stayed and officiated the next game. And you talk about pressure. <laughs> and those girls came through and they won and we got to leave. And I've never been more happy as a fan in my life. Bump, what do you mean spike. we have to stay while Bump, they work, spike, baby? Bump, but they, they got it done. They got it. I'm enjoying volleyball dad life. It's a, it's a fun sport. If, like they're pretty good for you know, 12, 13 year olds. They're they're solid. It's a fun sport to watch if you're if it's you know being played well. I like it. You know, I I was actually a line judge for a couple of games that my sister played in back in the day. And like I'd just be a high schooler, just randomly showing up, and they they throw me out there. And I, I tell you what, the parents, some of the calls, I'd be like, no, that, that was out, that was way out, and they'd blow up on me, and I'd have to have to swallow that and just oh, keep rolling. And I decided I'd stop doing it after about the second or third time. But yeah, it's fun. Bump set spike, Chad. Bump set spike. But hey, <laughs> we've got someone else that's not Ryan Royer. Uh, Ryan is on his way. He had to finish up some engineering things, but in his place, yet again, in his place for the time being, is the director of football sports performance, also the pride of Detroit Catholic Central, 
<laughs> also, one of the best fullbacks in the dying breed that is the fullback position, the man, hopefully soon, going to be the myth and the legend of BBP. Shout outs to the guy that went up north. But without further ado, he didn't die. He just he, shouts to the per. Yeah, yeah. North on the map, not not north <laughs> like that. North on the map. Without further ado, Nico Palazzetti. Nico, how are we? I'm good, Brent. Thank you for the uh, the uh, very humbling introduction, man. I appreciate that a lot. I mean, he practiced that like seven times today. I am, I am, I am amazed by that. I mean, shoot. I sound pretty edgy right now. Humbling. How about this? 1,279 yards, 24 touchdowns, <laughs> leading a 14-0 state championship team back in 2009. Nico Palazzetti, coach, how are we? I'm good. I'm great now. Now you mentioned my high school stats. I'm like, oh, hell yeah. Boy, oh, he's thorough. That was a good time. He's okay. thorough. If there are stats, Brent Young will <laughs> dig them up. <laughs> good. Commentate my life, please, Brent. This is good, man. Those were easy to find. Those are easy to find. But I've got some late quick hitters that I'll uh, I'll try and surprise you with later on. But uh, <laughs> without further ado, Coach, uh, you know, first off, welcome to the BBP. As as you know, you kind of been been heard through the grapevine that Brady Collins was a biweekly co-host here on the mm-hmm. pod, uh, just you know, giving good good insight on the team and insight on you know just kind of life around the program and whatnot and i i know for a fact that i listened to a couple of you a pause that you've been on so and you uh do a good job filling filling up the amount of time with uh with with your voice and with your insights so look forward to to building on that as well but i i guess without further ado let's give give everyone just a brief brief history about yourself catch everyone up with with who coach nico palazzetti is thank you man well first off yeah it's humbling to be on your podcast man i mean heard great things i know uh big shoes to fill here but I'm very good at talking a lot, so just tell me to shut up when you guys are ready to tell me to shut up. But um, uh, originally, I'm from Metro Detroit. I grew up about 25 minutes west of the city of Detroit. Like you said <laughs> so graciously, I uh, played football in high school at Detroit Catholic Central High School. It's a, it's a private Catholic high school, um, kind of 25 minutes outside Detroit. I um, was fortunate enough to be a part of a state championship team there. For some reason, I was offered a scholarship to play at Michigan State, which is incredible because uh, it was in 1968, and there was about two fullbacks in the country, and I guess they offered one of them. And uh, was able to play um, was able to play for Mark D'Antonio um, at Michigan State. Had an incredible experience there. Injured my neck going into uh, my senior year, and so once I injured my neck, I um, went into being a graduate assistant. So I interned, graduated, and then went right into being a GA. Fell in love with strength and conditioning because um, I was kind of as an intern, I was doing both football and strength and just fell in love with the, with the strength and conditioning side of things. After that, um, I uh, worked at Mississippi State for a year. So that was my first full-time job. was down at Starkville in 2015. 2016 was at um, University of Maryland. And then from 2017 on, from 2017 to 2022, I was at Ohio State. So I was in Columbus and then this opportunity arose and it was in, in absolutely dream come true incredible opportunity jumped seized the opportunity and i'm just so blessed to, the fact that i'm talking to you guys right now on a freaking monday night is like pretty surreal so this is great gotcha i, I was gonna say being a, a michigan guy played for michigan state from detroit you take the ohio state job did you have to like sit down and like have a talk with yourself like we we can do this 
It's going to be okay. <laughs> I know that I've got some feelings built up inside, but it's going to yeah. be all right. Yeah, you know, you just kind of become a mercenary at this point. It's unfortunate. Like, you just kind of, I don't want to say you burn the clothes that you were wearing, but, like, you just kind of move on. And um, it was definitely bittersweet, though. I mean, the first time I played at Michigan State, I was a I was a Buckeye as a Buckeye. And, you know, it's, it's surreal because you're going up and the security guards are the same security guards when you play and you're dabbing them up. And then the EQ guys and the – compliance officer and the academic people. So it's like all the same faces that you've seen since you were an 18 year old and um, definitely very, very surreal. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, shoot, man, you're just trying to survive. You're trying to feed your family, man. So you just, you just, you, you go with loyalty and you go with who's paying you, man, for better or for worse. Ah. There he is. Hey buddy. You guys are going to love the reason why I'm late. How you doing, Coach, by the way? Part of my time. Heard great things about you, man. I'm honored. Bad, bad first impression. Hopefully I can make up for it. <laughs> Why were you late? All right. So I was I was about to hop in the shower and just took off my bracelet and it just fell straight down the drain. And so I had to disassemble my sink because I didn't want like sometimes when you run water in the house, it messes up like the water pressure so i was like i gotta get this out now because i mean it it wasn't a cheap bracelet so danny danny would love would love that that story nico so we got to tell him (laughs) he always gives me shit for the (laughs) he always gives me shit for the bracelet so i had to save it man i couldn't let it go so nico you're important but you're important but i didn't want i couldn't lose it so I did this. 10, ten push-ups from the chat, Roy, or 10 push-ups. <laughs> uh, I got my chest in today, so I'm a little sore. Yeah. I won't be able to won't be able to do that, but we'll we'll take care of something next week. Man, taking away taking apart the sink. Yeah. I, did, did you find anything else crazy in there? I mean, it's gotta be a little Hey, I, I, that's the first activity. time I've done it, man. I was not ready for the smell. Oh, isn't it gross? It smell it smelled terrible. It made me feel terrible about all the things <laughs> coming out of my body because that shit stinks. <laughs> a bunch of, yeah. bunch of beard hair, all that shit in there. So, well, yeah, you don't even live with a girl. I, I've had to disassemble with with the lady, and uh, I mean, I tell yeah. you what, the amount of hair that's in, I, I, that's a different conversation for a different time, man. But yeah, not many <laughs> girls running around my apartment, man. Give me the eebie-jeebies, but. Uh, <laughs> Man, well, hey, Royer, how are we? Welcome in. Did you get the bracelet back? Let's see it. You got it on? Yeah. That's right here. I didn't, hey, I didn't put it on yet. Let's it's go. Right <laughs> it's real, too. It ain't, it ain't no fake shit now. Come it's on. Real. We don't do it like that. The real deal. Like that. I'm, not like, I'm not like Danny with all that fake bro shit. He tries to act He's like that. He's got all the going on. Oh, yeah. That shit's fake as hell. Don't, don't let him tell you. Man. The Guido. Don't even. Come on now. Yeah. <laughs> Huh, I'm good, well, man. I'm I'm excited because I've heard great things about uh, Coach Nico. I'm I'm pumped to uh, get to get to meet him virtually, but I'm assuming I'm going to meet him here in person soon. So mm-hmm. I'm super excited. This will be one of my uh, favorite podcasts we've had in a while. There we go. This is awesome, man. Appreciate it, Ryan. Man, I, I've heard awesome things about you, dude. You're like a legend. You're like a cult hero. And anyone like <laughs> anyone that talks about you, like introduces you as like like that's like a hushed tone. So it's humbling, yeah. dude. It's very nice to meet you. Thank you. Nice we're, to meet uh, you as well. 
we're just setting up the pass right now, Ryan, and then and then it'll be a table for all of us to to dive into. But uh, coach, I want to go back a little bit more to uh, when you when you hung up the the cleats, if you will, yeah, by your own choice, but I, you know, by by something kind of out of your own control. What uh, what what was kind of the steps after that? Because I mean, it, it, you go from on a football team to all of a sudden you've got to start making your own type of decisions and figuring out what you want to do in the next steps. I, what kind of was it that led you to it? And kind of mentioned Coach D'Antonio a little bit. I obviously a huge connection to Cincinnati there as well, and uh, kind of everything that he kind of instilled with, through you as well. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to get too personal too quick, but um, the same day that my football career ended, I, I injured my neck in a scrimmage, and um, I had been battling neck injuries for the past half a year for like the last six months and trying to come back for spring or for fall camp and wasn't able to push through it. And uh, so I injured my neck for the last time. And actually it was the same day my, my girlfriend now wife's mother passed away. And so it was like a really devastating day. And uh, um, I, I, you know, I communicated with coach Antonio throughout the process and he knew, so he said, go home, handle your business. Um, and uh, went home and uh, just tried to, you know, have perspective on the whole situation and try to kind of ground myself and um, just went home and uh, went, uh, after the weekend, after the, the funeral and stuff, went back. And uh, my only thought process the whole time I was at home was just thinking of providing value. Like All I want to do is provide value. Like I don't really know what and I was praying about it. And I know where. Um, or how really, and, and I had no interest, like I had no direction. I was a psychology major because mm-hmm. I had no interest in doing anything, just sure. learning about behavior and just being super general. So I was like, screw it. I'll do psychology. Let's do it. <laughs> yep. um, and so I just was kind of directionless, but I knew I wanted to make an impact. And I knew that um, I, I still felt like I had value on the team and, and value to provide, you know, the guys I was playing with. And uh, I went back and um I met with coach Antonio and I just almost tearfully was just like, coach, just please let me provide value. Please let me be around the guys. I don't know how or where, or, you know, I literally was their teammate, you know, three days ago, but at the same time, I just want to provide value. And, you know, he kind of nodded. He said, yeah, you know, we can look. And so he's like, we, we'll, we'll try to find something for you. And so I, uh, after that just kind of wandered in the weight room. Cause you know, let's be honest, man, like, Bunch of you know, I was just a, I was just a weightlifter who was playing football for my leasing agreement. That was pretty much all I was doing. I was just right. training all around. Man, I love to train, and so I went. I went to talk to the strength coach Ken Manny. Walk in, and uh, he's sitting on an exercise bike, and he barks at me. He's like, "What are you doing?" I'm like, you know, just startled. I'm like, "Oh, you know, I'm here to talk to you, coach." And he's like, "We got we got a lift in 20 minutes." He's like, "You're coaching up next." ironically, uh, uh, go, uh, go, go change, go get your, go to your locker, go change. So I'm kind of startled. I walked back and he had taken all of his old coaching gear, put it in my locker, had a whistle there for me. And it was like the most humbling thing ever. And so I literally went from playing three days later, all the guys come in the weight room. I'm sitting there with a whistle coaching guys up and no one really thought anything of it. They all just dabbed me up and did what I said. And it was pretty cool. It was really humbling. And uh, Coach Antonio also helped me, let me allow, uh, allow me to do football. And I worked with the uh, running backs and the quarterbacks that year. And it was a magical year. That was the year we went to the Rose Bowl and won the Rose Bowl, beat um, Stanford in the Rose Bowl. It was an incredible experience. And um, so just grateful to those guys, man, you know, grateful to a 
to a you know husky Italian kid out of out of Metro Detroit, man, and, and gave me an opportunity. And uh, I'm, I'm I'll be eternally grateful to those guys, man. Awesome. Aaron, yeah. Oh, I I was I mean I don't know if you want to get into it yet, but I was just curious what Coach Antonio said when he told him that you were going to be at Cincinnati. Oh man, they were they were uh, Coach D. He's such a good person, man. He's such a good person. We've stayed in touch, and you know it, it, it's so humbling too because. Cincinnati's always been a program I've admired from from afar, just because I've had so many ties to it. You know, when I when I got to Michigan State, the format and the formula for success at Michigan State was pretty much how he did it at Cincinnati, which was kind of take the second tier Ohio kid that was a real chippy, edgy kid that got overlooked by Ohio State, and just you know bring them in, and and, and the, you know they have a chip on their shoulder, they're tough as nails, they're chippy, edgy kid you know, kind of a second tier Michigan kid, just, just an edgy group, bunch of kids that were good from good programs that wanted to play and had something to prove. And that was always Cincinnati, Cincinnati, Cincinnati. So like I played with so many Cincinnati kids. One of my, one of my roommates, Marcus Rush, went to Moeller, Cincinnati Moeller and all these guys. I, I, all I knew was about Cincinnati and freaking skyline chili and all that stuff. And, <laughs> and so I'm like, this is basically like half my, half the team was from Cincinnati. And, uh, so I grew to really respect it. And then obviously, um, you know, some two of my best friends, Danny Felino and Zach Higgins, coached there. Um, and so we played football at Michigan State together. And so I, you know, I've always had a fondness for the university and always had a respect. And obviously the the success that Coach Fickle um, has had. And, you know, it's an incredible thing. And I've always admired how they've played. And so just there's so many touch points with the university. So when I actually had the opportunity to come here, it was, it was almost interesting because like why hadn't worked at Cincinnati, I felt like I had such a connection to it. It felt like I knew so much about the players. I knew so much about the school, about the infrastructure and just by having conversations with my buddies and knowing about the school and knowing about the fan base. And it was something that almost was like second nature to me. It just was very, very comforting to know, that I knew and had such a high respect for the university. It was, it felt nothing was foreign to me. So it was a, it was a really great transition right off the bat, just because I had so much respect for the, for the school and for the program. So just to go back, what exactly did D'Antonio say though, when you, when you did <laughs> that was the question, right? <laughs> yes, right. Um, you know what, dude, we were talking on the phone um, prior uh and we've texted, we texted a little bit, but we had talked on the phone late fall um, uh, in the 2022 season. And he just was very complimentary of me um, and just uh, just wishing me luck and wishing me for best for the future endeavors. Because we saw each other uh, at the Notre Dame Ohio State game. Um, that was the last time we saw each other. And then uh, just texting, just congratulations and stuff like that. But I, I think uh, a lot of... Um, you know, he knows it's a great place. I think he knows it's a great place for me and he's very proud and it's, it's been pretty cool. Awesome. So, uh, you know, obviously you have the connection at Ohio state, but you also went, you know, down South and out East as well. What did, uh, years down in Mississippi state and also in Maryland do for you at, not only as a coach, but as a person as well? Yeah. Well, you know, it was easy at Michigan state cause guys kind of, I played with most of the players and, and then anyone that I hadn't played with came in and kind of respected me because they knew I had played. And then, you know, I was 23. I, I got an opportunity to coach out of Mississippi state and 
you want to talk about a culture shock, man. I mean, that was about as different as, I mean, <laughs> I never lived out of the state of Michigan and uh, I went down to Starfield, Mississippi and I don't hunt and I don't fish. And so I didn't really know what to do with myself. And I didn't really know who to talk to. And, you know, and my name's Nico Palazzetti and that's about as exotic as anyone, any name <laughs> down there. And so they were looking at me like I had, you know, I was speaking Mandarin. They didn't know what the heck I was. And I didn't really know. I couldn't really understand them either. So uh, it was the greatest learning and learning experience new environment for me the kids were different the kids responded to me in a different way i had to learn how to be adaptable i had to learn how to be resilient i had to learn how to connect in a whole different way and connect from a new and i wasn't much older than them so i just had to you know relate reach them where they were at it was probably the best experience that could have ever happened to me because it ripped away all my all of my comfort and threw me into my anxieties and my my uh insecurities and and just said adapt and grow. And it was such a great experience. It was so, you know, it was so rewarding and such great, such a great place, such a, such a, and there were great teams, like such great people. I mean, Dak Prescott was on that team and there was a lot of really, really good players. And, um, you know, Dre Chris Moore. Jones from uh, Kansas city, like just great pro great players, great time to be a part of that program and worked with a great staff that really, really challenged me. And it was a competitive, fun staff. And, um, had the opportunity to go to the University of Maryland after the end of the 2015 season. So I jumped on that, got a little closer to home, back in the Big Ten. Um, felt like a great move, kind of a startup program and um, from a year one coach and enjoyed that experience. Really, really great experience. And then when the Buckeyes called, they called and you don't say no to that one. So you just jumped on that one. I was I was bummed, too, because I was we had moved. We had moved two times in a year and a half and I, was getting, I just got married and. You know, it was unfortunate because because my wife was in Mississippi. She was fulfilling her teaching contract. Mm -hmm. I was working in Maryland, and then we got married in Michigan. And then she finally moves up. We get a little apartment all settled, and we're in Columbus. So, you know, that's the life. That's the that's the coaching lifestyle, though. So, I mean, shoot, I mean, I just had a second baby girl, and we my wife was thirty six weeks pregnant. We moved to Cincinnati, so you know, it is what it is, man. <laughs> Those, the people in Mississippi are like, where'd that Brady guy go? He was crazy. He's one of us. Yeah, no, no. They love Brady Collins and Roy out the rally, man. They love that dude. Hey, it was so funny. I, I came down. And that, that was the first of three times I've uh, – I've. Uh, so he told – the first thing he said when, when it started to come together, he's like, I think I know who it is. And it's wild, but he's – this will be the third time – that he's replaced me at a job. Yeah. It's odd. It's almost odd. It's all, it, it is kind of weird. Cause we actually kidded, like joked about it this year at the, at the, uh, at our strength conference. And we were just joking around like, Oh, see you at Cincinnati. And sure enough. So Brady's a great <laughs> dude. I, ironically, I've never actually worked with Brady, but you know, formed a great <laughs> friendship with him. And uh, um, he's a great coach, man. He does a great job. In order to, to fulfill Brady's spot on this podcast though, you're going to get, have to get a cooler with some drinks in it that 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 you uh that you hammer as we go through the show. Brady would just sit him like up on the shelf that was right here next to him as he would work through. What what do you do that? I mean, he I was Saturdays yeah. for a while. He yeah. would have that like four Natterdays during the show. Roy, are your that, thoughts that's on that's what he was drinking. He was drinking Natterdays. Well, I think Aaron was I wish I would have saw that. Oh, I wasn't making him do anything. Don't put that I on me. I went to town on him for now, that. He he also he also kept it hidden 
to where you couldn't exactly tell what he was drinking, but we knew. <laughs> yeah, you knew. Say, what is that? Your canned water over there? Yeah, he's getting more and more candid as he starts answering all his questions and stuff. Yeah, gotta love Brady, man. Yeah, he's a wild Brady man. Was, he's funny. I thought he was dude. more of a Mike's hard guy, but I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> guy, Royer. Oh, he, same he might shit. have split a Mike's hard in there. You know, one of those those, those hard tees as well. I, you know, yeah, we'll there you go. Yeah, but uh, it's funny, man. Yeah. Uh, so what? Talk about Mickey. You're uh, you get the call to to go into the 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 legend. You know, they I, Brady called him Sensei, and and you know, kind of the the czar and whatnot. So get get the call to go over there. What was it like under him? And you know, is that Kind of the reason why you decided to head over to Ohio State. Yeah, I mean, it's called Spade of Spade. I mean, shoot, man, I I was reading I was reading Muscle and Fitness magazines in 2006 with the Florida Gators on it, going, "Damn, that's awesome, man!" Coach Mickey, Mar- I probably pronounced his name wrong, Mickey Mariotti or whatever. But I was reading it. I was reading those articles, man, as a you know 14, 15 year old kid, going, "Holy cow!" And then. You know, you meet you meet Coach Mick at like a conference, and it's like Elvis. Like you can't reach him. Like you gotta like, like you gotta be introduced to him. It's like it's like seeing like it's, it's literally like seeing Elvis. Like you gotta like navigate your way, and you're like it's at the bar. It's always at the bar. It's like these clinics are always at bars, and so like you always like like someone's like comes up to me and he's like, "All right, I'm gonna be I'm gonna introduce you to Coach Mick," and I'm like, "All right, here we go." So then like you get navigated through a group of people, and then you finally like get close enough to him, and it's like. You can barely touch him. And then he like, you introduce yourself to him. He just kind of stares at you and, you know, you crack a joke. I think I made like an Italian beer joke or something. He like chuckled at it. I'm like, all right, well, that was that. And then the next time, like that was the only interaction I ever had with him. And uh, um, I got a phone call asking, literally, like it's like January 3rd. And it was funny because I knew that Brady was getting the job in Cincinnati. And I thought nothing of it. Like I thought nothing of the vacant spot at, at uh, Ohio State. And uh, I got a phone call. It's like January 3rd at like 7. And I'm just like sleeping in. It's like January 2nd. It's like after New Year's. And uh, I get a phone call. And it was from a mutual contact. And he's like, would you be interested in working at Ohio State? And I like, spit out my water. I'm like, what are we talking about, dude? And my instinct was like, no. Like, you just move. Like, obviously, like, personally, I didn't want to do it. But, of course, like, I'm like, yes. So I, I call, I call my wife. I'm like, I'm, obviously I'm interested. Uh, let me just call my wife and just ask, see what her opinion on it. So I call her and she's like, are you out of your mind? Like it's Ohio state. Yes. See ya. So I'm like, damn, that's cool. That's, that's, that's cool hearted, man. So I, uh, I obviously called back right away and just confirmed that I was interested. And uh, yeah, working with him is like, um, I mean, he's, you can't you can't underestimate experience, man. Like there's sometimes where you, you bring them an idea or you bring them a thought or ask your opinion on something and you give them like the best thing you got, like the the, the thing you've been holding on to your, in your back pocket. Like, like he's gonna like this one. Check this one out, dude. He's like, yeah, I did that in '94, '98, and 2020. <laughs> like you know, 2021. You're like, oh, all right. Cool. Like so, like you can't underestimate that he's been a head strength coach longer than I've been alive. Yep. And uh, he's seen it all. He's experienced, but he's adapted to it, man. He's so adaptable. and But he hasn't lost sight of who he is as a coach and who he is as a person. And um, he was a great mentor to me, a great mentor to me. Kind of like a paternal figure to me. Like uh, I was there for six years. I was there for a long time and got to formulate a really close relationship with him. And uh, 
grateful to him, grateful to him. And I know he was another one that was, you know, obviously he was a Bearcat first and foremost. And to, to kind of be start where he started is pretty cool too. That was the most mafioso goon to made man story I've ever heard on this podcast. That was you like that one? That was excellent. <laughs> oh, dude. It's so funny, man. There's so like, it is, uh, you can't just like, I told, I told him this. I'm like, coach, make it a conference, man. Like, and it was funny because this year me and him are walking around the conference and he like, he's like, Hey, where do you want to go? Like, you want to go to the expo? And he's like, yeah. So we start walking to the expo. And then I realized that roles had twisted, that I was now the one guarding Mickey. And so, like, everywhere we went, someone would come to me, and I would, like, look at him, and he would, like, and I'd be like, you know, we keep walking and stuff. Like, so, like, you become the role that you try to infiltrate the first part. I'm like, roles have grown, man. Here I am. I'm just picturing you telling this beard joke while he's like, on this, the day of my daughter's birthday. <laughs> <laughs> You break the Eminem, like this is a one shot one out of two. Like, come on, baby. Let's see what you got, kid. That's your awesome. knees are weak and your arms wear heavy, too. <laughs> exactly. Oh, what do you think is the biggest thing you learned from Mick? Oh, that's a great question. Um, alignment, opera, uh, structural alignment. I think that the thing that separates him is the ability to run a department and run and help assist um, a program that multiple performance departments. So you have obviously strength and conditioning, but you have athletic training, you have um, operations, equipment, nutrition, sports psych, sports science. You have all these different facets of sports performance. And he does an incredible job of creating alignment within all of those departments. And he makes it so that everyone speaks the same language. Everyone knows the vision. Everyone is aligned in the vision. And he drives that. So he builds an infrastructure that everyone in the whole performance department believes in the same thing, knows what's best for the kid, knows what the goals and objectives are for that kid to maximize the development and then drives it. And so I think I think not being siloed off and, and seeing how he – implements the entire performance department and is able to get that alignment within inner departments is, is second to none. That's the biggest thing I learned from him was just like, it's so much like being a strength coach is so much more than just like coaching. It's, I mean, you know, when after you've coached for a while, you can, anyone can really coach. It's just the ability to create that alignment that helps the athlete. That's so much more than just strength and conditioning. That's the biggest thing I learned from him. Yeah, like culture building. That's what we had a lot of development with at Cincinnati with the with the old staff. And it got to a point where the lifts were like, you know, you're getting stronger, you're doing the movements, you're helping out, like staying in shape, staying healthy. But really it was more about like those Friday lifts where we we're build, building the culture or those off season, like twice a week where they're kind of grind, grind us down all the way down to the bit. And I, that's something that I think Coach Brady tapped really – tapped into really well and that's why I was so excited when they hired you because I knew you you know how to coach a culture you know how to make a team like you know how we used to say tough and nasty I don't know what what slogans you guys are using now exactly but I know that I knew the pedigree you came from and I was just super like it was like the most most bit of hope I had during all that turmoil so I was I'm just super because I hear all the shit you do to the guys and when they say when they said it was hard as when they said it was hard as hell, I was like, 
fuck yeah that's why we got him so I yeah know, i was i was just super pumped about about landing you well thank you i mean uh well thank you very much and i think you have to like i told him day one like it's like it's got to be hard like I, I first off i'm gonna i my core values are passion integrity and toughness and so what i stand for is i'm not gonna lie i'm gonna be a man of my word and i was like so you can trust me when i say it's gonna be really really hard and it has to be hard just like you said like if it's not hard, like if 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 what you go through isn't hard, you have nothing to stand on and you have no foundation. Like it has to be so difficult that everyone wants to quit and everyone has to almost, you're almost driving it to the point where things start to fall apart and you want to see how guys adapt and grow and challenge each other. And you're trying to almost be that catalyst of like, of uncomfortable likeness and just be nasty. You're right. Like whatever, whatever term you want to use, like you're trying to drive it and it has to be hard. Like if it's not hard and guys don't question it and guys aren't chippy and angry at me and mad at me for trying to drive them. Like I haven't done my job. I haven't pushed them hard enough. And that was what we were trying to do all, all, all winter. The number one goal was build and establish a culture and then make it as hard as possible. And if it wasn't hard and competitive, then I don't want to do it. Like everything we did in the winter was through that lens of like, is it hard? Is it competitive? And then great. Once it's, once those two boxes are checked, how can we fit it into our culture? And that's really what we were trying to drive. And uh, thank you for saying that. Cause it was, it was, it was as hard as I could safely make it. <laughs> and our, our staff yeah. did a great job, but yeah, it was, it was a challenge and it, ha- it has to be cause that's our edge. I mean, like we are who we are. If we're not, you know, if we don't, if we don't believe in our work ethic and we don't believe in how we do things and the culture of what you stand behind, then nothing matters. And that's, you're hundred percent right. That's the most important thing. It's another great thing you learn from Meg is that what you do is important. Yeah, but it's how you do it and the intent you do it with and the belief system you have within it. It's hundred percent right. I mean, that's why you guys would march into Columbus and stomp out the Buckeyes. Like that's exactly, I mean, I, I was a Buckeye fan growing up in Columbus and I would watch you guys. I'm like, Oh, here comes Michigan state to whoop our ass again. And I knew like, and that's, and you could just see it. Like when I was just like a, a little kid, you, you could see like, there's just something different about you guys and knowing like Danny would tell me all about it. And he'd tell me about coach Manny. He'd tell me about coach D and I was like, damn, like that just sounds like a, a, a fun ass program to be a part of. And then you kind of felt that our program shift towards that towards the end. And it was just like, that's what drives success, man. Like you saw it when, when you were at Michigan state, you saw it with us at Cincinnati. And I was wondering, like, did you, did you ever like give uh, Mickey shit for like how you guys would come in there and just like dog, dog his guys like that? Yeah. My <laughs> funny. You said that first off, the best thing about being here is how similar, I don't know if you were on when we started talking about it, but the similarities between the Michigan state teams of the Mark D'Antonio era and current, the current group we have now at Cincinnati is so eerie. It feels like I'm back at Michigan state and like the type of kid and the chippy edgy, like you got that core group of like Midwestern tough kids from great programs. And you got sprinkles of just, feisty tough kids that want to compete and you can just coach hard and it's gross and it's tough and like that is the best thing in the entire world to be back to and like so yes that's that is 100 why michigan state had success 100 like the reason why is just you create a culture of 
of we aren't as good as you, but we've worked harder than you and we're angrier and we're more pissed yeah. off and we're going to take it out on you. And that's, um, that's a stars. violent, that's a violent, that's a violent, tough thing to compete with, man. Especially when those teams are actually pretty damn competitive and tough um, and talented. Um, but yeah, so on my interview, it's funny, dude. It's funny you said that. On my interview, walking at, at Ohio State, we're walking around and uh, coach, coach, coach Mix kind of like, it's like there's like a weird, it's like a weird maze of a facility. And all of a sudden we pop in and it's Coach Meyer's office. And I'm like, goal. Oh. And uh, Coach Meyer's a huge dude. He's like 6'3". He's way bigger than you would expect. And he stands up. Mm-hmm. He's obviously the most intimidating human being who's ever existed. And you're like, uh, you're like, oh, how are we doing, Coach? I shake his hand. And, um, you know, I'm just trying to, like, you know, just feel him up. And he's yeah. just drilling me. He's, like, breaking every HR no-no. He's talking to me about, like, politics. He's talking to me about, like, what my family <laughs> orientation is like. I'm like, what are you talking about? And so he's like, who'd you vote for? It's, like, 2016. I'm like, what are we talking about? Dude? I'm reading the room here. I'm, like, looking up that the TVs. So I'm like, uh, so he goes, uh, he goes, um, what channel's on here? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Lower left, lower like, left. I've seen a lot of red here, so I'm going with, you know what I'm saying? And so, uh, he goes, um, he goes, uh, he goes, uh, what's your background? And I go, uh, you know, I tell him, and he's like, he's like, you were at Michigan State? I'm like, yes, sir. He's like, what years? And I'm like, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, I'm like, uh, 2010 to 2014. He's like, did you beat us? I'm like, yep, yes, sir. We beat you in 11. I know you weren't here, but we beat Ohio State in 11. And then we beat you guys in 13. He's like, beat us to go to the national championship. I'm like, yep. And I'm telling you, he – his memory of that game, he rattles off every single thing about that game. You know, we had you in the second quarter and this and this and this. And starts bat- rattling it off. And I'm like, I'm like, oh, man, I, I, I struck a nerve. I'm not getting this job. And then he's like, were you there in 15? Which, you know, the, the game that Michigan State came into Columbus and beat them. I'm like, no, thank God I wasn't. I was in Mississippi State. And just like, yeah, you could tell, man. So. It was just, it was just, it was fun to kind of, especially in those days, man, like Michigan State and Ohio State went back and forth. I think they changed years pretty much from 2011 to 2016. So it was, it was pretty cool to be a part of that time. And, and, you know, even, even the respect that, that Ohio State had for Michigan State made you feel good. And the respect that Urban Meyer had for Coach Antonio and Coach Antonio had for Coach Meyer, it was, it was pretty fun to be a part of. But yeah, it was definitely a, clearly a, a memory of the interview. I, I vividly remember that 33-yard touchdown that you guys put up to seal the game. I remember that just clear as day. Is it, oh, it Langford? Jeremy Langford, yeah, ripped yeah, it off. 33, quarter, yeah. yeah. I remember that. I remember I was screaming at the TV. Fuck, that was mission. Like, I don't know. I was probably like 13 years old. And I'll tell my parents I was saying that. But um, I would, like – because what what would you say the the biggest difference what like you just think because the way I always me and Danny would always talk about how like all all the combine bullshit all the stars that that Ohio State would have uh, over you guys at at Sparty they just like once you get on the field like it doesn't mean jack shit and that's what like I felt like Coach Fickle stripped us down mm-hmm. and stripped all that shit down and we didn't even have much 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 stars to go around to be honest with you. And they just build us back up. And that's what, like, I was – I almost felt kind of towards the end we were 
not getting softer, but it was just like, it was kind of like a comfortability. Like we've been, we've been kind of like the culture has been built for kind of a while and it was kind of like coasting and it was just refreshing to have you come in and like, see how you're kind of destroying the guys. Cause I think, I think a lot of the young guys needed that. And, you know, I think, I think Satterfield and the staff needs to know that's the mentality. And I think it really does start with you. And I'm just proud as hell that you're carrying that through, especially as an alumni and a guy that kind of, knows a lot of the roots that you come from. Um, so make sure Satterfield knows to recruit those Midwest kids, man, those overlooked kids and the three stars, the two stars and all those guys. And I, I don't know how much leeway he gives you, but I mean, I trust you with anything. So please, please make sure he sticks to that shit. Cause it, it really will. It's going to, it's going to be the only way that we can dig our ways up in the big 12. So. No, I think you're spot on. I think he absolutely understands that. And like, if you, like the more and more you think about like the Cincinnati job and the more and more you think about the university as it goes in the big 12, it's such a great opportunity. Cause obviously you go in the big 12 and it's going to be, you know, a slight, it's going to be an adjustment, but at the same time, like you're in, like you're in an amazing recruiting base with an amazing fan base, an amazing place. And you're competing against teams that don't have that recruiting base. They don't have a big city feel and they don't have, a fan base that's loyal and you don't have a venue to play at like this. You don't have Cincinnati and Dayton and in Columbus and Cleveland. You don't have all these amazing recruiting bases right in your backyard and in your home state and really in your home city, you don't have such an established place to recruit. That's right down the like, so the more and more, the more and more like the big 12 comes into clarity, you're like, Holy crap, because what an incredible opportunity and what a great, conference to be in and what a great place to play against and like i'm just so excited to be a part of it and i think that's absolutely the, the identity of the team is like you're right for me it was easy like i don't know anybody i'm just gonna punch everybody like metaphorically of course but like i'm just gonna do this and swing and like i don't care about egos or personalities or whatever and if you happen to land in front of my fist look out but like that was the goal was just punch everyone down and just rebuild it and and like obviously respect to what was because like I mean, victory and success leads clues. And so, and, and I knew so much about the program just because of the connections I was with. And so you, you just, you just, you admire and you respect what was a part, but at the same time, you're true to yourself and you're true to your own identity and what you believe in. And it'd be phony to, to, to stray too far from that. And so just kind of built it up from there and, and, and tried to just drive coach Sat's vision. And um, it's been great, man. It's been a fun time, but no, thank you so much for those compliments. And I think you're hundred percent right. Like, staying within Cincinnati, recruiting that Ohio kid and recruiting that Midwest kid that's under-recruited and chippy and edgy and tough, like, that's the way. And you watch our practices, you're like, I mean, that's it's a chippy, groupy, nasty bunch, man, that just goes hard, man. And they're competing, man. It's so fun. It's so fun. Because, like, even in the winter, man, you drop a tire in the middle of guys and you said, go get after it. Guys are just ripping each other's heads off. It's like, it's easy. It's fun. It's great. You know, yeah. I like having to tell guys to slow down and, um, you know, it's been, it's been, there's such a fun group to coach, man. So fun. Good. It's good. Uh, love good to hear it. Yeah. Love to hear that. All of it. Thanks Ryan for opening that. But uh, coach, just good segue into just kind of filling us in on how you becoming in this role with, uh, with coach Satterfield came about as, as much as you can disclose, obviously. Yeah. Um, so, uh, I know I had, I thought, I thought the Cincinnati job was the best job available. Um, 
you know, when it was announced that Coach Fickle was going to Wisconsin, I'm like, oh my gosh, what an incredible job. And, um, and so uh, Zach Higgins, who he was an assistant at, um, at Cincinnati, he was at Ohio State with us. So he was kind of plugging me in and we're trying to see who landed and who was going to get that job. And when they announced Coach Sat, I was like, oh my gosh, okay, I see it. Like, and I knew he didn't have a head strength coach. And um, um, there was a couple connections on staff. The biggest connection was actually Kerry Combs. Mm -hmm. I know they were trying to retain Kerry and I had worked with Kerry and in 2017 and 2019 and 20 at Ohio state. And um, so we had a great connection and a great bond and he was really pushing for me and trying to just keep, cause I think, I think as Ryan was talking about, like it starts with a weight room and it starts with kind of that tough chippy edgy attitude. And so if you're not going to establish that the way that the, the guys know how to train, like, you know, that's, that's the kind of the foundation that I think coach coach Combs knew was really important and our relationship, he, he was big and he helped push me and get that job. And Coach Mick was big. And um, uh, Todd Fitch, who uh, was at Ohio State, who um, his son was on staff with Coach Sad at Louisville. So there was kind of a couple connections there. Um, but overall, um, you got to thank Kerry Combs and um, Coach Mick and Coach Todd Finch. And there was a couple connections and led to um, it led to just a phone call. So uh, he called me. Um, I was geeked. He's like, it's like, Tuesday night at like nine o'clock and it's like mid December, early December, pretty much right after, he, I don't know the exact date, but I think it was like the next day after he got the job, he calls. So I think it's a Tuesday. Um, maybe they announced it Monday. And um, uh, he goes, can you be here Wednesday? Can you be here tomorrow? I'm like, let's go baby. <laughs> so I'm like calling everybody who knew coach sat. And I'm like, do you, do you know how he'd interview? What's his format? Like, what's it going to be? Cause you're trying to like anticipate right. what, what he wants in the interview and what he wants to hear. And so I finally kind of get a game plan. I go up. It's really awkward actually, because I knew that was an awkward. It was actually pretty cool. I knew most people at Cincinnati. So I'm going down the hallways and I'm hugging everybody in the hallways. So they're <laughs> kind of escorting me through the hallways. And I like, no, everybody there because of just connections in Ohio state and all my buddies. And I'd been there a bunch of times. So I'm hugging everybody. So as they're interviewing me, it's almost like I'm like helping them like understand who the personnel is that's pre-existing. So it's kind of a funny, surreal moment. Like when you, when you, when you are as indirectly involved with the program as, as I was just because of my friends, it was actually pretty cool to be able to like, and help inform them on what the job they currently had, just because they were day one, you know, trying to get situated as well. And so it was just kind of a cool, very casual. I mean, we talked about, I mean, talked for basically about three, four hours and just yucked it up and hung out and just got to see Coach Coach Sad's character and who he is as a human being. He's such a great person and he just cares so much and just wants to, he has a great vision and, you know, just respected strength. And I just thought it was a great, it was about as casual of an interview as I've ever been a part of. And I didn't know how I did because we just kind of yucked it up and talked. I think we talked about strength for about 10 minutes. I think he just wants, good people that are really passionate and competent at their job to do their job. And that was kind of the vibe I got and went back, didn't hear from them for about three days and said, this is either a great thing or a terrible thing. And finally I got a phone call saying he wanted to offer me the job. And I was ecstatic. I was ecstatic. So. And then first, uh, first impressions when you, when you went to the, to the weight room for the first time with, with some of the guys that are returning players, you know, the, 
Jawan Briggs and the Dante Corleones, Malik Vans of the world. I, I mentioned all the defense linemen there, but just kind of your first impression on some of the dudes that were returning that are dudes. It's funny, Brendan, you said that because on my first day, the three people who I met was Briggs, Dante, <laughs> and Malik. So that's hilarious that you said those three people and Damo Perry and stuff. Those are yep. the guys who I met right off the bat. Um, uh, one was passion of the weight room. One was just guys that, like, you got to credit, you know, Brady. I mean, the guys know how to train. Guys, guys are passionate about training. So obviously, you knew that guys understood the importance of the weight room. Wanted to train. Wanted to be there. You know, I was at the. I'm at the. I'm at the uh, Peach Bowl. And guys are calling me about when they can train. So I'm like calling Cincinnati, the Olympic staff, to try to find open time. So like that's how these guys are knocking on my door, my cell phone, I guess you could say, just asking, just trying to beat down the door and get in there to train, which is like, as a strength coach, like you're almost like have tears in your eyes. You're so happy. I'm like, yes, yes, I get to train these guys. And then you get there. And the biggest thing I, I was, was there's just no ego. Like guys just wanted to be trained and guys – were so humble because I, I told Briggs, I mean, I told a lot of those guys, those really top-end strong guys, I'm like, listen, we're going to go slow. We're going to learn it the right way. It's going to be different than what you've experienced. Just be patient with me. Just trust me. And for me, trust is bigger. Just trust me that, I, that like, just trust the program, trust the system. I'll get you guys right. Our system will get you guys right. Just, just be patient. And I think it was different enough where it really, really challenged them. Um, but just just trust with those guys, especially a lot of the, the older players. And um, and then once we started getting ramped up, there was there was just a lot of trust and guys were or I mean, it was great. It was great. And just I thought overall, just so impressed with what the culture was and what the expectation was in the weight room. And, and it was just fun to kind of be myself throughout the process of it. Right. You got it. Well, yeah. What was one thing that you felt that maybe after a couple of days, you're like, Oh, I, I want to do this. I can feel like I can improve this, or this is my like little niche that I think will apply really well here for these guys. Cause uh, you mentioned that it seemed like, you know, everything was the way you would want it to be, but I know like being the kind of competitor you are, you want to put yeah. your own spin on things and you know, yeah. nothing's ever going to be perfect. So was there one thing that you kind of felt that you really brought to the table? Well, one is just my personality. Like I'm not trying to be anyone other than myself for better or for worse. I mean, I am who I am. And like, I mean, <laughs> it's, it's nine o'clock on a Monday. Like I'm getting all jacked up talking to you guys, man. This has been a blast <laughs> guys. I appreciate you having me. I'm all getting all, I'm like leaning forward as I go. Uh, but this is just great. I mean, it was, it was just one was be authentic. And I think, I think, uh, I think, you know, coach Mick and for my mentorship that I was prepared enough where I could just be myself. Like I knew, I knew the vision I wanted to do. I knew I had a great staff with me. And um, the biggest thing that helped me do was just be authentic and just like, this is what I believe in. This is my, these are my core values this is what I want our, 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 our program to stand for and represent. And then let's let it rip. And uh, so having that freedom to just be myself and not have to try to, 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 to be anything other than who I am helped a lot. It just gave me a time to just coach as hard as I possibly could and, and, and have, challenge our staff to do the same. So that was one was be authentic and just drive everything through just, you know, passion, integrity, toughness, and just make sure that everything we did was, was, was violent, hardcore, tough, violent training, but also had applicability this spring. Cause at the end of the day, like this is a competitive spring and I would do be doing these guys a disservice if, 
if I wasn't preparing them to have success in the spring, just because of how value, you know, there's an evaluation, you're trying to win a job and you're this is big time for these guys, man, I get it. So for me, it was, it was establish a culture, but also prepare these guys for, for performance success. Um, from opportunities, I, I met with every player. And so I met with every single player um, just sat down with them all one-on-one. Cause for me, one of it's what we talked about was trust. And like, I, how am I supposed to yell at you if I don't know who you are and you don't know who I am, you don't know where my heart is. And like, it's a lot easier to coach someone as hard as you possibly can, if they know you care about them. And even if they don't know who I am completely at the time, they knew that I at least spent 25 minutes to talk with them and get to know them better and get to know their stories. And for the biggest, I asked them three questions. The first one is, um, you know, tell me about yourself. What's your upbringing? What motivates you? What inspires you? Uh, the second one was, um, what are your goals? And the last one was like, what can you, what do you need from me? Like, how can I help you? And so really opportunities arose from those conversations. And the biggest thing was, um, upholding a standard, coaching everyone really, really hard, which I was like, check, I can do that. That's very easy. Um, the second one was, was nutrition was, was they wanted enhanced nutrition and, um, you know, just being in the big 12 and now we were having more resources. That's something that we can really put a, a hard, you know, emphasis on just enhancing nutrition and enhancing the experience that these guys get and, um, trying to just make sure that, you know, you train, you know, hour and a half to two hours a day, but, you're, if you're not recovering properly, then it's like, it's like trying to fight with your hands high behind your back. Like you just aren't optimized. And so the administration has been incredible supportive and, and we hired a full-time dietitian the first time um, in Cincinnati history. And so we, with football and um, it's been great, man. It's, it's been a, so much easier to help and, and drive results. And that's been a huge thing. And so just talking with those guys help reveal some things that we can work on. And um, it's been, it's been pretty good. I'm really glad you didn't ask them who they voted for in the last election. <laughs> exactly. Um, I just wanted to know what your first impression was. I, I don't know if this was the first time you'd been in Nippert Stadium. Um, you get the access to the brand new renovated locker rooms. I was yeah. curious if you have any input as to what's going on with the uh, creation of the indoor practice facility. Just kind of your thoughts on the facilities that you have at your access now. Um, I've been, I've been at the NIP a couple times. Uh, and the first thing I, I, went, I was there in 2017 at a clinic and I, I walked in, we had a, we had a dinner at the press box and I'm like, damn, this is nice, dude. Like, this is sick. Yeah. I think that, what was the press box renovated? 2016? 20? Yeah, I think, I think it was about, yeah, so it was like brand new when I was there and it was incredible. I thought I was blown away with the stadium and the atmosphere. And obviously when you watch it on TV, you're like, your jaw drops. Um, so from a respect to the stadium and the, the atmosphere, massively impressive. And that was even before I got there. Um, from a facility standpoint, the locker room is absolutely beautiful. The weight room is very, very functional. Um, it's a huge space. And so the, one of the biggest things that we want to do is try to make a training space for all athletes because the weight room is kind of sectioned off a little bit. And so it's like a 20, it's over 20,000 square foot facility. And so huge. what we try to do is just, make it so the lift times align so that football had it completely blocked off and then make it one giant weight room. And so if you're ever in town, come on down, it's just a giant training space. Um, and we've just, we've, we've, we've tried to maximize that space. It's gone really, really well. Obviously there's the new fueling station, fueling zone uh, attached to the locker room, which has been completely utilized. We're enhancing the bar city club, which is um, the, the meal room upstairs. So we're putting a bunch of money into that and, and resources into that. And, um, 
and then they, they're you know they broke ground on creating the new indoor um it's just like it's incredible i'm so it's like literally the best time i'm pitching myself every time i talk about this stuff because like what a how blessed am i and our staff to be a part of you know part of this university at this time and yes the the weight room the the shell of the facility is already set but as far as designing the room it's 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 still up in the air and so that gives us full autonomy to kind of make it our room um and how we program and train and so it's like so you'll literally be leaving your mark on the program in one way or the other from what you leave behind as a correct player. yeah awesome yeah i mean it's an absolute dream come true and it's funny because i've been involved with this would be my third weight room I've been involved with, and I've never seen it actually built. So it was at University of Maryland. We started designing a weight room, left Ohio State. Um, they started designing a weight room in 2020, COVID. When we started, then we started back up uh, in 2021, 22, left. And now this one, I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm so excited. Like, <laughs> what a dream, man. So I actually get to do the thing, and I just do like a test run of it. So I'm, I'm yeah, absolutely get to leave a mark. And trying to make the best training space for our athletes. And it's right attached to the indoor. So that you have garage doors that come up. And so you can train, you can run, and you can go right to the weight room and just have that accessibility and that just a logistics standpoint. Like now I'm, now I'm geeking out. I'm talking training. Let's go. What do you guys <laughs> want to know? Let's go. Like, no, uh, I'm all fired up about this. But no, it's like, it's an absolute dream come true. And it's a dream. It's a dream facility to have. And it's a great, it's a, the flow of the facility is great. And, um, yeah, I've been working on that since we got there too. That was fun because they're like, they're like, you know, I'm like trying to just like get one weight room set, and they're already talking to me about the next weight room. I'm like, I'm just trying to like. It was funny because when I first got here, so now I'm going now I'm on a tangent. So Zach Higgins, who was living, who worked at Cincinnati, and then was in Columbus. His wife was finishing up her her residency. She's a doctor, and um, her, I'm sorry, her fellowship, and. Um, so he was, he's been commuting from Cincinnati, from Batavia to Columbus for almost two years now, which is completely psychopathic. Yeah. And so I thought I'm pretty tough. And I'm like, easy, dude. I get this job. I'll just do the thing backwards. I'll just go from Columbus to Cincinnati. And I did it one time and it was raining. And I'm like, bump this, dude. I will never do this <laughs> ever again. So I've been living in, I lived in his basement for three days. Or, I'm sorry, for three weeks when I first got here, all of January, I lived in his basement, which was great. It's nothing better than living in a basement. You got nothing to do. So all we would do all day would be get there at 4 a.m. And we leave at 10 o'clock and I'd get like Skyline chili and then just like eat it like half asleep. Just like sitting there eating it. People are looking at me like I'm crazy because I'm just grunting to myself. And I go to bed and do it all over again. And so, yeah, it was awesome. The, first, the month of January is a blur, but. I'm pretty sure it went well, I think. So, Brian, I appreciate the compliments because I don't even remember what happened in January. It was a blur. Hey, hey, Coach Higgins, man, I love that guy. God bless him <laughs> for what he did, dude. Driving up and down. I got some I mean, words I, I could say about him. I have a Royer Nico podcast. I love it, man. No, no, including everybody. So I got to no, no, I mean, like, like, hear you two, you two are hitting it off. Like, I, we could do uh, here. You know what I? You know what I called Higgins. You know what I called him when he was at when he was in Cincinnati. <laughs> <laughs> nice, dude. You know what I called him? What? I mean, I'm just. I don't know if you're prepared for this. I just called him Coach Big Fuck. That was his name. <laughs> that's very appropriate. That's very yeah. appropriate. Yeah, that's that's what I. That's what he's known as. So you could tell him that's his new name. 
you drove he, uh, <laughs> Yeah, he so he lived with me. So he lived with me in college. So he was in between rents. Actually, I took him on his official visit when he was at Michigan State. And we got into a fight and he like knocked out a couple of frat guys, but that's neither here nor there. So <laughs> he lives with me. He lives with me. Um, we're, it's my senior, it's my graduate year and he needed a place to stay. So he decides to live with me. And this dude, this dude is as rustic as you can get, man. And so he's like, he calls me up. He's like, Hey man, uh, he just, just moves in, just moves in. He's like, Hey, uh, I just caught a couple of fish. You mind if I, uh, if I just clean out the fish and like when you, when you come back, I'll, you know, I'm like, yeah, dude, no problem. I come back, dude. He had moved in like 12 hours earlier. He has fish gutted on our kitchen countertop. There's a buck mounted on our wall. There's guns. There's freaking fish barrels. <laughs> I'm going, I felt like I was at a Cabela's. I'm like, what in the <laughs> world is going on, dude? I'm from like suburban. I'm like, I'm like, what yeah. in the hell, dude? This is the most rustic things. He had, he had squirrel stew brewing up in a crock pot. I'm like, ah, what? What? The... Yeah, oh yeah, this dude, this dude's a wild. You guys all know Higgs. He's a wild. Yeah, no, that's wild. Animal. So he's the best. I just talked to him on the phone driving in. I talked to Danny Felino like three days ago too. It's funny, guys. It's a small world. Danny was on the those pod my, too. Those are my guys right there. Oh, dude, he's. I got so Wait, many stories on that, dude. Did the story when he was like stuck? Was it him or one of your guys' boys that was like? stuck behind the door and they couldn't open the door because his foot was in the way was that was that higgs i think that was higgs i don't know yeah man. and he was like he was like sleeping sitting up in the bathroom and like no one could get in because his big damn leg <laughs> couldn't move him yeah i know that one that one, i love it but i always think it's so funny because he always would tell me all about his guns like he sounds like he's damn john wick and i'm just trying to imagine that like 400 pound like big ass guy just like John wicking around his backyard with with like assault rifles and pistols, <laughs> quick drawing them out. Just like I think it's the funniest shit. And you have to tell you, you were talking to him. I I I FaceTime him all the time, and he never returns any calls. But the moment him and Danny want to make a your mother joke at me over text, <laughs> he'll jump right on that damn phone and jump right in it with Danny and get on my ass about like, Oh, your mom, this, your mom, <laughs> just like, just like clockwork. So you tell his ass to, to call me and to quit being some pansy. Cause he knows I'm just going to give him the smoke. I'll let him know. I'll let him know. I'll text him right now. All right. Good. He's, so Nico, big yeah, fuck. Sneak, he's big time. Now. You know, he's a big time. Guy. Yeah. Big time. Big fuck. He's, he's a, he's a, he's a suck guy. He's a suck guy now. He's so edgy now. Yeah. <laughs> he's the best, dude. That guy's a porcelain hammer, that dude. That dude's a wild man. <laughs> Nico, have you ever put your head in a fan? Um, I've metaphorically many times. Uh, that's what the life of the fullback is, man. You just eat the fan. But, uh, um, yeah, it's funny. Uh, I don't even know if this is what you're talking about, Chad. But uh, No, I'm literally back, putting your head in a, in a moving fan. Uh, no, not yet. Not yet. Is that, a, is that a common thing? Do we do this here? Cause I will, if you guys are scared, I'll do it. It's no, it's, it's a Royer thing. He used to, you know, that's, that's how they had fun on the weekends was they would yeah. put guys heads in the fan. That it got him like in, in the ER one time. Thing. COVID got weird for them. <laughs> I'm like, a, okay. Are we talking a ceiling fan or like a floor oh, fan? Yeah. yeah. No, a ceiling fan. Ceiling fan. Like you, yeah. are you jumping up and eating, literally like eating the fan as it's rolling. Like it would be like the guys, the guys are like under you and they like, you like jump and they like push you it, push you into it like that. That was like, <laughs> how fast thing. is the fan going? 
Uh, it's like medium, medium speed, but we, we, uh, <laughs> that was our shit. Like when we won the, when we won the conference in 21 and then into the playoff, we would just like throw, like they guys would come over to the house, just throw, throw ourselves in the fans, the locker room. They would like throw me through the locker room tiles, like, put my head through them <laughs> wait was, how many fans were broken in the process of you being launched into a ceiling fan though uh we broke two at my house and we broke one at another house that wasn't ours but it was so i, I think three we got three bodies oh my gosh dude <laughs> royer ended up in the er from the fan game no, no was my bro- was his was brother. My brother. His brother. His brother ended up in the ER. Yeah. What did you like crying Dro- up his neck or something? No, it like literally just like it hit him right here. The pedal of the fan flew off, but just split his eyebrow. And he's like, we were like, well, you know, we were all drinking, just being dumbasses. And you like he you do a double take on him and he's just gushing blood like he's in Rocky. And he's like, Do I have to go to this? <laughs> like he's like, Do I do I have to go to the hospital? Like no, you're fine. You know, like just drink up a couple more beers. You'll be good. Next thing we know, we're, we're at we're at Children's Hospital, just on the verge of blacking <laughs> out, sitting in there with all those poor little kids <laughs> and nurses. Like literally, I, I I told them before I was like top five drunkest in college, like in Children's Hospital, like with my brother trying to get stitches in in his eye. Just like, do I throw? Do I throw up in the sink of this, of this children's hospital room? And it was just like a, the biggest shit show. All because we put he put his head in a fan and split split his head open. So, uh, I've was, never done that. No, I'm mad. Yeah. <laughs> he no, thought it was like a, a metaphor. No, like, it's no, real. No. It's a metaphor because I've heard like put your face in the fan, like run into contact. So I'm like, okay, this is a this is a football <laughs> nope. metaphor. I've never seen it literally done, which is that yeah. is that where you guys got it, Royer? Or somebody would be like a coach would be like, put your face in the fan, and then one night you guys looked up at the fan and went, Let's no, go. We, we got Let's it from my go. buddy. I told you guys, my buddy, he shaved his head bald, and we and he was like, We were fucking around one night, and he was like, Yeah, do you think it'd be funny if I put my bald head in the fan? And I was like, Yeah, it'd be That'd be hilarious. And so he did it and it like made like a funny ass sound. So like we kept doing it. And then one time we were drunk. We we're just like, all right, just throw throw him in the fan, like full speed. And it just became a a stupid party trick. <laughs> it just turned into a, a football meme. So we 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 went with it. We're a little different here in Cincinnati, Nico. I love it. I can relate to that. That's I mean, if you're not, just if you're not curious, total jackass. What do we right? have, you know, what what does happen when a head meets a fan running at half speed? I don't know. <laughs> now I know this is great. Yeah, some fun shit. <laughs> Emergency room. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> with with six year olds, like yeah. The emergency room. Mommy, with a bunch what, of mommy, what are what are why are they so big? Why are they why are they in the hospital? <laughs> you look over. Why can't they stand like, up? One of them's like this. You really yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> <"Where> the- <laughs> did you have the did you have the war paint on? No, that was didn't have that on. That <laughs> didn't get the eye and, blackout. 
I didn't know what happened before the fan game. Like, if you guys had to, you know. <laughs> yeah, we got we got all game ready up. Got all the fucking eye black on, you know. You want to tell Nico about your Make a Wish punk block? <laughs> <laughs> I love how you've completely embraced the Make a Wish. That's it was the, one of the funniest things I've ever heard when you said it live. I know. I, I I still don't know if I should feel like bad about saying that, but like it's just been like Coach Freeman, Coach Fickle, like yeah, get them canceled. They they would say it too. They'd say that shit to me all the time after I did it. Yeah. So basically, I was like the enforcer on Pump Block, where I would just kind of like try to take out two Put your of face the shield. Yeah, literally. I was like a, a heat-seeking missile on the middle shield. And we were playing ECU, and Coach Mason's like, they like to get low, so we'll try to go over their top shoulder pad. So this is like the last regular season of my fifth year, and I haven't I haven't made a play ever in a game. Like, I've gotten some garbage time minutes and just a special teams grunt, basically. And first punt out there, they go down low, and I just kind of, like, stick my arm over the shield and – and like block the punt. And I was kind of like one of those moments, you know, like Ricky Bobby, like, I don't know what I'm doing with my hands. Like we were just, just <laughs> running around, just like fucking like losing my goddamn mind. Like everyone on the sidelines is like picking me up, like a make a wish. And so <laughs> we literally, we like the next day, like after like, I don't remember like what it was like Joel to Blanco was like, yeah, like make like said like, are we going to talk about the Make-A-Wish pump block? And, like, Coach Fickle loved it. So we just started saying it was the Make-A-Wish play because the Make-A-Wish make linebacker finally got to do something on the field. So uh, <laughs> That's a good story, though. That's good. Yeah, it's, it's good. Story. Yeah. It was, <laughs> if you, you'd have we'll, to be we'll on save, the team. Yeah, you'd have to be we'll on the save. team to just see, like, the – the like meme I became like in my last year, like I was like the 23 year old, like destroying like the, the, the coach's fun, kid, the, the early and yeah, the early enrollees like <laughs> on, on, on threes during spring ball. And like, it was just like, cause it was just like, it was like, Oh, make a wish. Like make a wish is like <laughs> out there doing his thing. Like just making way too many plays. Cause he's been in the program for five years. He knows every single Knows every single play the offense is gonna do. Just like he had one of the greatest spring games in the history of the program from the linebacker yeah. position. Literally, literally, dude. I had like I don't know four TFLs, two forced fumbles, two sacks, just like all three explosive hits, just all on the threes, just all of them against the because you know all the you know all the signals anyway. You just look well, at literally, them. they all they would do coach is literally they had this play called main it was the double a gap blitz yeah. of, the, of the inside linebackers and the freshmen like i would just time it up they couldn't block me and so we'd run main like 15 <laughs> times and i would just like destroy destroy them <laughs> literally they started calling they they changed the call to like some i think they called it like Royer. They started calling it Royer just because they literally would run it every fucking time with me. It was a joke. It was like they it was like the signal was like this or something. And if I'd be in, it was just every single <laughs> coach Mike Tressel, every single fucking play. That over and over and over. And, and let's just say the game cross over and over again. 
Yes. Let's just say the lineman. Running back. The lineman he destroyed every time's last name rhymed with tickle. Oh gosh! <laughs> yeah, he has a kick over to get you as you as you come off. Oh, yeah. I know. That or yeah, literally just, or he would just get the ball out of like through his legs, and I would I would be like on him, and like his dad's back there just laughing, like loving it, just thinking it's the funniest shit. He's supposed it to was, was supposed to be a prom. He was supposed yeah. to be a prom. Yeah. And Royer's and kicking had, his ass in the spring game. Setting him on skates. <laughs> of course. Yeah. Of course, Luke liked it though. I mean, he loves defense, right? So, I oh, mean, yeah. that's no surprise. Yeah. And Chad, remember the best part was like after the scrimmage, like all these reporters that don't, they like don't really know what's going on. They're like, who is that guy? Like, yeah. <laughs> are we going to be seeing, like, are we going to be seeing him getting some like reps with the ones next week? And Coach Vic is like trying to take the question seriously. Like, Oh, that's, that's when I started Royer. the whole Royer for Heisman thing, right? Yeah, it was it was just like my my fifth year was like something like it was kind of like a dream, but it was also not because it's like I'm a competitive guy and like I've just became this like meme joke, but it was also nice because like they just let me do whatever I want. I didn't have to like I got to chill and like have fun at practice, like mess around with Danny and Higgs all day long, and I got to go out there and play my special teams but at the same time i'd sit back and be like it's like i'm really just a joke that was like <laughs> it's like it's like my five years of working my ass off harder than damn near every anyone on the team which is like i am the make-a-wish me <laughs> but it had it it had its it had it paid off some ways though it was yeah and you block a blunt that's a real yeah. pump block though that's a stat dude yeah it was real more, like that, that than happened. i've ever blocked on the yeah, best dude. team in program history. There you go. Damn yeah. right, dude. That's a stat. No one can take that shit away from you, dude. I know. Wear it on my sleeve, man. Everyone I would. Knows I'd have the tattooed on me. <laughs> like, all, like, anywhere you go. Oh, this is – Anytime, like, it's like, oh, this is – It's like I meet someone, like, new. They're like, oh, this is, like, Ryan Rohr. He played football for Cincinnati. Like, oh, really? Then they go, yeah, he blocked a punt. And they're all like, what? Like, we don't, most people don't even know what the fuck that means. So it's just like, <laughs> it's like my friend's way of like making fun of me. Just like, <laughs> it's like, oh, you don't remember versus ECU? He blocked the punt. They're like, what? <laughs> what are you talking about? I'm like, just yeah. shut up. Just like, let it go. Yeah. I think I have one catch for two yards. So, like, that's my stat sheet. I'm like, yeah, I caught a, caught a ball and I uh, can see any in a game. 2011. There you go. Oh, yeah, two buddy. yards, baby. Come on, check tape. Hey, baby. Make check a tape. Nation. <laughs> All right. We need to let, we kept you for way too long. You said, yeah. we like, we we're supposed to let you go an hour, like a half hour ago. You guys got to be rolling, man. Shame on you. <laughs> Shame on you. Now you know why Brady is, was part of this podcast every other week for like three years. Yeah, I get it. You guys let the cat out of the bag, dude. I apologize, man. Appreciate oh, you. Don't, don't awesome. apologize. We're having a blast. This was fantastic. No, this is great, man. Thank you guys so much, man. I appreciate the time. Appreciate it. This was really fun. Yeah. If I'm ever welcome back, I would greatly uh, appreciate it. We'll see you in two weeks. Damn right. <laughs> Let's go, baby. Say, I've been denied before in high school. You know, it was a tough time for me. I get it. Yeah. I've been denied many times. I'm used to it. 
go back to the cool kid table. They're like, mm, I got it. I get it. this is great, man. Hell yeah, made it. We love it. We love it. It was fantastic, man. It was fantastic. It was a, it was, it was a legendary first performance. <laughs> there will be one of which there will be many more down the road. Brent, you're gonna, you're gonna have to hang on to those quick hitters for next time. Oh, I've, oh. I've got a whole bag of them. Yeah. I was firing them off, man. I'm ready. I'm ready. I want more stats coming out, dude. <laughs> Don't worry. Yeah. Next show. He's Next got more. He's got more. That one it. catch for two yards on your stat sheet. I oh. had it actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah you, hey, hey! Don't discount your special team reps you had as uh, a retro sophomore as well. Oh, oh so stats, man! Don't ever count out the specs. You can't. Yeah, I don't have a. I did have a. I think I might have had a fair catch, or I got laid out in Georgia game. That's another long story. I got All smoked. Right. I got. <laughs> oh, funny Trestle story. Okay, did, did, last story. So. Mike? Mike Trestle story. Yeah. So we are, we are, I'm a retro freshman. We're playing Georgia and the Outback Bowl or something. Mm-hmm. And all year, I, I just been on, I've been on KOR and all year because I was like the front fullback, the front wing. And they said, uh, no, I'm, I'm a fullback in the back. I'm a fullback in the back. And they said, all year, don't fair catch it because no one will be fast enough to get down there. So just feel the ball, take it up, gain five to 10 yards, whatever, call it a day. So in my head, I'm a I'm a fullback. So I'm like, yeah, absolutely. So we're playing Georgia in the Outback Bowl, and they kick a sky kick, and I'm fielding it. You know, I'm like Ken Griffey freaking junior. I'm going underneath it, fielding it, and this ball gets caught up in the air, and I <laughs> I freaking catch it right on the sidelines. I turn up field, and I swear the linebacker is like here, and I'm talking. He decletes me. He sends me like nine yards in the air. I'm just holding off for dear life. And I hit the ground. I think I slide back another six yards. I mean, blast me. And I run off the field and Trestle's yelling at me. Like, why didn't you fair catch it? I'm like, what have we talked about for two years, dude? Like, what are we talking about? You just got my ass laid out. I'm trying to be a freaking hero here. Dude, just like, I'm like, oh my gosh, dude. Special teams gives, I mean, you know, it gives you more anxiety about special teams and like being oh. a PP and being on KOR and kickoff. Like, that is the most stressful, dude. Special teams, you got to have some berries, man. You're the toughest of the tough. Those guys are, my gosh, it's so hard to be sucks. on special teams. KOR is the hardest thing ever. It's the ever. hardest. Like, I don't understand. I'm like, on if it, you're man. there, we'd have guys that literally they're like, all right. You run back 10 yards, and here's a guy running 60 yards down the field full speed. He's either going to run into you as hard as he can, or he's going to try to juke you out of your shoes. And, yeah, go ahead. Don't miss the block. <laughs> it's just like, a, thanks, coach. Like, we'll, we'll try our best. Yeah, but, and he's way more athletic than you, and he has a 30-yard head start, and you're holding on yeah. for dear life. We're like, we'll see what happens. Because if he, if, he, if he decides to lay me out, a good shot he's going to if he doesn't he's gonna make me mad you're like just like trying to trap a chicken who yeah has a head of a rhinoceros coming at you it's a nightmare it's a tough job dude matt says we need to find this video yeah i was gosh (laughs) i know i already had it put up there got laid out over and over again on a wheel i've seen it many times it's a a, a shot 
Shamrock days, Shamrock days. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Back when I was somebody, baby. No, dude, it's awesome. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm not. Dude, a, everyone's yeah. gotten laid out. There's not oh, one. Yeah. Oh. There's not one football player that doesn't have you getting laid out. And you're watching when you're when you're waiting on the like the Sunday after the game. You're just waiting to see that clip of you getting smacked. You're like, <laughs> oh my gosh, dude, it's the best yeah. feeling. Your wife's gonna you be like, are you drinking down there? <laughs> Yeah. Why were you down there for so long? What was happening? I know. I'm in it. I'm in it. I, gotta get, I do have to get out of here. I love you guys. You're the best. Oh, we, we appreciate it, man. This was outstanding. You had big shoes to fill, and you filled them. Thank and you. that's all you can ask for. That's all you can hope to do, guys. That's all you got. It's it's you guys. You guys made me look good, man. I appreciate it. Thanks for the softballs I needed. Next next week, we're going to start talking like – like trade policies and stuff. You guys are gonna blow me away. I won't be ready for that. <laughs> we're all we gonna have know, TV- hey, hey, we're all gonna have TVs on in the background with different channels. <laughs> I gotta read the room. You have to oh, really figure us out. Can't make any of us mad either with anything yeah, you say. You got really, yeah, really offense. You guys are the <laughs> yep. best, man. I appreciate you guys very much, man. Thank you. Right, Thanks, so Nico. This was Thanks, amazing, so man. Appreciate you guys. I'll talk I'll to you. I'll see guys. you Wednesday. Yeah, right. I'll see you. All right. See you yeah. guys. Thanks again. We found Coach our Brady Nico Palazzetti. <laughs> the man. He's got the fucking strength coach voice too, dude. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. What what do you think, Royer? Well, you let's let's real quick before we get Royer's reaction <laughs> to having Nico on for the first time. Quick paper supply, your local and family-owned restaurant supply company. For all your non-food products, quick paper services over 150 restaurants with weekly low minimum next day deliveries. Providing a wide range of food service products from to-go containers, cups, custom printed products, eco-friendly, and much more. They also have cleaning and restroom supplies for all your janitorial needs. Call Nick, 513-470-2029, and reference Bearcats for 20% off your first month of purchases. Well, also Royer, the, that was that was that was Royer's interview. Like Royer. You were in your comfort zone there. You have been waiting to talk to this guy, right? So give yeah. us your, your review. I I was I was pleased. I, I really like him, but I'm I wasn't surprised because I that's what I expected. Um <clears throat> like you say, you don't like follow the path he's followed without just being a, a dude. And that's exactly what he is. And he was the most the most crucial hire I think we had. Um, it was him, and then I thought it was Manning, but, you know, Manning's not here anymore. But I think just having him is is so big, and I think he's going to do a great job. I'm really impressed by him. Uh, he's humble. I don't know if you guys could tell that by his answers. Oh, yeah. I think he, he's just humble, and he's passionate, and that's, that's what you need. I think if you have those things, you can do anything. So I'm excited about him. I mean, I hear all the shit he does with the guys, and it's good. It, the more pain they're in, the better. So I'm that, pumped. I, I just want to meet him in person now. That was the most made man story you've ever heard, though, in regards to <laughs> a coaching hire, right? Like, yeah. I, yeah. I'm also shocked the way they, they handle Mick like that. Literally, like the boss is what he is. I it's mean, to have handlers for people who go to talk to him, that was wild. Yeah. It's, it's what it's, that's what it is. It's right out, right out of the book. <laughs> yeah. In that world, Mick is the godfather. He's the Don. Like, that's I who mean, he is in that world. I drew that correlation immediately. Yeah. All right. 
Your impression right. was pretty good too, Aaron. Oh, you like this? <laughs> oh, this yeah. the day of my daughter's birth. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, that was good. Really good. Uh, you know, it, that was not broken either. That was a well-oiled machine, like a well-oiled car. That's something that Danco transmission and auto care can do for you. If you have a non-well-oiled car or you need an oil change, we've got to mention our boys, Mr. Danco, Joe, and all his all his fellas over there that fix you up, get you everything you need. Got to mention you at the beginning, but uh, good time to mention you now. Um, yeah, no, that was awesome. Uh, any anything else football wise? Hopefully, we can get Nico on. If if not every other week, just more often, we can kind of dive into a little bit more, uh, you know, questions about the team and how things are going and whatnot. Aside from kind of just what we did today, but anything else football wise? I know Chad, you got a practice report up. Uh, there was practice last week as well there was the uh, pro day as well i think you guys also touched on that in the on one of the nightcaps on top of things but anything else as far as just football side of things i i, I don't have anything in that regard okay and yeah. i'm gonna guess that ryan and, and chad also have nothing in in that regard at this point i have nothing <laughs> well i think chad was at practice but I guess this is. I think he went. He's away from La Computadora right now. So, well, what, while we got you here, Ryan, uh, we talked about the other night on, and we're in the subject. Uh, we talked about the other night on the nightcap. But any any surprise from you that Ben is taking first team reps, even this uh, quickly after the injury? No, uh, Ben's a warrior, man. That's he always has been. He goes about his business. He's been in competitions a lot. He's been in a competition. Think about that. Since he came to Cincinnati, he was in a competition all the time. Goes to EMU, he's in a competition. Comes back, he's in a competition. And now he's in another one. So it's good for him. He's been forged in the fire. Um, he could throw the damn ball. And he's a he, he's he's just a competitive mfer man and so i think he's he's taken this by the reins and i think they're gonna play whoever the best quarterback is and i think ben has every bit of ability to um to be that and i think he's showing that right now so he deserves it and I'm if not, anything i'm not sure if he took that? i'm not sure if he took first team reps today or not but i know yeah. um uh, he has been at least uh the couple practices well he's been taking the first reps in one-on-one -on -one and seven on seven he hasn't done any well, I'm team not sure stuff yet i'm not sure they've actually run like full first team right they have okay. some yeah and you're gonna run team i don't uh, know with his injury though is he able to run not really all of that quite yet yeah not really he didn't today emory jones ran with the ones today evan was dinged up and Ben's still not running with the one or the, the team periods. So it was uh it was Emery and then Lichtenberg and then Drogish running one, two, three. Okay. Coaches like to show their hand um in spring. And I don't know if they're trying to light a fire under Emery if they don't feel like he's providing what they want from him, or if they want to make Emery feel like he's got to step up his game. But normally like they aren't just gonna like throw Ben out there just for shits. So people don't count out Ben. And there's a reason he's in there getting reps. So there we go. 
Yeah, Chad's got the spring re- practice report up uh, on the board. So if you want more on practice, you can head over there. Chad, anything at all you want to kind of point out, though, that, that caught your eye? Or is it kind of just more of a check it um, out? See you later. I, I think Jordan Young is going to be really, really good. Really, really good is the, the number one corner. He has been outstanding in the two practices I've been at. Kerry said the same thing in the two practices he was at. Like, this is a kid that that played big-time football at Florida, was on the field at Florida, uh, and, and kind of wanted a fresh start. For clarity, and, that's that's Kerry who writes for Bearcat Journal, not Kerry Combs, who has no. been to all of the practices, not just two practices. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, Jordan Young has gotten rave reviews for his play so far. So he's one that stood out to me. Um, the rest is pretty much in the practice report. We did see a nice run by Manny Kobe today, the freshman getting outside and turning up field. I think he's an exciting young guy. Uh, this is look, if we're being honest, here's the, the, the truth of the situation right now. The defense looks like it has a chance to remain very good. The offense has a long way to go. And that's not a surprise, given everything that was lost on offense. But they have a, they're they so short at wide receiver. Shaman was with the wide receivers today. Yeah, what, they have, they have four wideouts right now? It's a little bit more than that, but not much. I mean, Marcus Peterson left the program. So Chris Scott is now the only scholarship wide receiver remaining from the pickle regime. In a room that generally goes 12 deep, they have one returning scholarship wide receiver from last year. They're going to have to get at least three, maybe four wide receivers in the spring just to fill up the room. They are hurting at wide receiver. It's crazy. Like, I think T. Wiggins has a chance to be pretty good. I think Donovan Ali is a, a serviceable high major college wide receiver, but there are just, there are just no numbers in that room right now. It's, it's frightening. You want to talk about like something that raises your eyebrows and is a little bit frightening. Their lack of depth in the wide receiver room is concerning. So there's going to be some eye popping numbers and and you know what? It's even, uh, it's even kind of concerning as well, just, just due to some of the injury history that, exist in that room for the people that are there. Um, yeah. Yeah. Especially D Wiggins would, is the first that comes to mind. You know, he kind of heard his name quite a lot, but that's not really there. So, you know, you got to hope that he's, uh, he's ready to go at full strength and, and stays injury free for the most part. Um, anything else as far I, the, I see you kind of listed who was available, the, the, who was running with the ones and the twos on the offensive line. That's Interesting thing to look at on the uh, on the board as well. Um, aside from that, it's it's practice back again uh, Wednesday, correct? So it'll be it'll be time to continue to evaluate more and more. But I don't know. And anything else football wise? I know we we got a lot more uh, basketball stuff in the mailbag still. That's what I got for now. All right, right on. Well, uh, speaking of Shimon Mateer at uh, out, out deep, you know he once had a triple double 
in uh, basketball. Speaking of basketball, the uh, basketball season just wrapped up um, for the Bearcats in year two of the West Miller era. You guys uh, kind of already touched on it. A couple of different podcasts, nightcaps, this, that, and the other. I don't think we really need to touch on the Utah Valley and their, you know, Mark Madsen now going to Cal. I, I don't know if that came official, but um, that was what, what words were saying. But uh, lost there. Um, seemed like a pretty crazy atmosphere, but now the the ever exciting post season season where the off season now opens wide open. Uh, Chad, Aaron, you guys, I think we're touching a little bit on the, the teams in the final four last night and different things of that sort and roster makeups. And then all of a sudden today, news hits uh, expected news for the most part. Uh, Landers Navi will be testing the draft waters, except an invitation to the Portsmouth Invitational. I. I kept trying to look up, you know, if, if they did change the guidelines. They obviously have. If, if Landers is saying he's going to, you know, leave the option to return. Last season, the the Portsmouth was not a, you know, sanctioned event for the NBA. So it must be now. Uh, they must have changed that because you know, Courtney Ramey is the name that people have brought up that, you know, went and tested the waters and decided to come back, had to sit out three games due to suspension. But I, I don't think that's – the case anymore i saw one study that said that they've changed it so he's leaving the door open to return um there's been a couple of different reports on you know where landers grades out this that and the other but uh, kind of your thoughts seeing that news and then kind of the, the the trickle effect or the non-trickle effect if you will of you know obviously the the news of lander that landers that's been hinted at uh becoming official aaron pass to you um, I don't know. I mean, obviously you want to see a guy who can score at that clip come back and, you know, we right now, I don't know that anybody on the roster, especially if you lose losing, there isn't a, if you lose losing David to Julius, uh, you wonder where the points are going to come from, um, without also a Landers Nolly coming back. Um, so yeah, I mean, that, that's a drop off of what about, 30 plus points yeah it's about like 32 points 31 points and then there's uh like 26 shots between the two of them so i'd be concerned as to where you're going to get those points from if you're not bringing back um landers and with the julius graduating that'd be my main concern so it'd be can you find another guy who can score another two guys who can score like that in the portal yep uh chad or or Ryan, just thoughts on the Landers thing, and then obviously recent news of the portal and whatnot. I mean, it's this is what we expected with Landers, like. Right. So, um, just have to see how it plays out. Yeah, I'm you know, he's. I mean, he's he's an interesting case study. He's you know he's he's going into the sixth year. He's a guy that genuinely like. You're all ACC first team. You, you score as many points as he did his freshman year at Virginia Tech. Like, you think you're going to be an NBA guy mm -hmm. at some point in time, like in the very near future. And here he is three, four, five years later, still in college. So mm -hmm. does he want to just go ahead and, and get started with his professional career? 
that includes the decision of maybe I have to go to Europe. I have a young daughter. I can come back to Cincinnati and get NIL money. Like, there's a lot of different ways that this could go for Landers. You know, there was, uh, I think, somebody, one of the major NBA guys said tonight that they thought if he went all in on the draft process, he could get a two-way contract. Right now, two-way contracts are $500,000. Sam Bassini of The Athletic, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, there's... There's a lot that Wes is going to have to think about, you yeah. know? Yeah. And, uh, and Landers mean, is going to have to think about. Like, it's a, right. you know. Yeah. I it, I mean, that's the main thing about basketball nowadays is the fact that, yes, there is the opportunity to play professionally, but there is also the NIL that makes things interesting on top of it. So you got to yeah, really because a lot of these guys can make more in NIL than they can make right. playing their first year professionally. If, if they're a top of the roster guy. Right. If, and if you're not getting a two-way contract and you're just playing in the G league, or if you're stepping your toe overseas, which I mean, Lander spoke about, you know, liking to play in front of his mom. And, you know, you mentioned his daughter as well on top of things. That's those are two yeah. things where if you're, you know, heading over to Turkey or, heading over to Greece for a year and, and trying to get your career started over there. It's not as easy to figure out how we're going to move there and play in front of mom and whatnot. And then of course the G league, if you don't get the two way contract, then it's the G league's not very enticing uh, financially, at least initially. Um, obviously you have the chance to prove yourself there continuously, but you know, another thing about Landers is, you know, his, his clock is, is something that, you know, is what teams will consider. And that's why someone who's the ninth best three point percentage in all of college basketball at six foot seven, that's why he's not getting the amount of looks that a a 19 year old with six foot seven wing shooting 42% from three would get. So, right. Um, it's definitely good to test the waters. I, if some team falls in love with you and you really trust what they say is correct then you know what you got to do what you got to do but the option to return is is the main thing there especially with on with nil available yep we'll see how it plays out but the, the sad thing about that is it could be a long play out is the and which is which that's is the game the game yeah, is the game is. right like you can't you can't want to be in the game with yeah. potential pros right. on your team and then be upset about those pro potential wait, pros right. going yeah. through the process like that you can't everybody wants this to be convenient for their needs yeah, the and desires quick fixes yeah right and that's you know i'm sure wes would love it to be quick and convenient mm-hmm. for his needs and desires but if we're being honest there's one bona fide starter level talent that we know could go into the big 12 and be a high end starter level talent before they play a big 12 game. And that's Landers Nolly. Yeah. Now maybe you can go get somebody else that's, that's done it at the high major level to step in and be the new Landers Nolly, whatever the case may be. But the reality is he's a guy that you can, you know, write the check on, He's going to go into that league and be successful. Yeah. So you 
play the process. You play the game. If he's open to remaining in Cincinnati as he goes through the process, then you respect that and you you ride that out until you figure out what he decides to do. Here's the other thing that people don't think about. He's going to be talking to Wes throughout this process. Right. So Wes is going to have a better idea of where his head's at than anybody. True. Yeah, just because it's not public knowledge doesn't mean that coach doesn't have pretty good ideas to what's going right. on. Right. Like yeah. neither of those two guys are going to go running around telling everybody what their private phone conversations are. Right. Wes is going to be more informed on this topic than you, me, like his agent, like anybody. So mm-hmm. sit back and kind of let things develop and we'll see. We'll see where they go. Let the man cook <laughs> let him cook let him. I, yeah so I, I mean obviously it's it's a situation that a lot of teams are going through as well where you see numerous players have not only entered the portal from other programs but numerous players have also said i'm testing the waters with with leaving eligibility to come back available as well so it's not just a thing and it's also a good thing um if if you have the ability to see oh wow Landers Nolly transferred to Cincinnati, played there one season, averaged around you know 17 points per game, shot a great percentage from three, had a great time there under Wes Miller, and now he's testing the the, the NBA draft waters. I, I mean, that is literally the one, two, three, four, five, six step program for a transfer trying to further his career. So um it's 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 all a good thing in the end. Yes, it it sucks as a fan to sit back and be like, okay, what's going on? I want to know the roster now, this, that, and the other. But in today's day and age, you you don't know what the roster will be at all from one year to the next. It, it's very hard to tell. Uh, aside from that, I imagine as, as it is happening all around the country, meetings with coaches are taking place. I don't know dates on those or anything like that, but it's, it's happening. Once season ends, that's just the – procedural steps and then more decisions will be made after that and as you saw today chad you kind of hinted at it on the board yesterday the bigger names are going to start to flow into the transfer portal as well um i mean i know a lot of people are are mentioning caleb love on the board out of north carolina you know ranked mass we we mentioned last week on the uh on the podcast and on the board where it was mentioned as well i I would uh, I would not put Caleb Love on your wish list. Okay, that was a uh, interesting one, um, a a high volume guy, if you will, but the volume is like really loud and it's music that doesn't always sound great. But sometimes the the music has some hits and it can really really drive you drive you happy. But yeah, so that 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 opens and shuts the Caleb Love talk. Uh, Rake Mass obviously is a uh, is a name that has been circulating. You saw the Bradley writer on Twitter mention that uh, Cincinnati has been in contact with him extensively. Connections there, the set and the other. Um, any names that you've recently seen, Chad? I know the Shedrick out of Virginia looks like that was a somewhat of a connections were starting to be pieced together, little dots. Um, the guy running his deals is Xavier guy. Yeah. So, so I wouldn't get your hopes up there. Okay. 
Well, I. What are you seeing in the in, in the portal that that I'm not, look, drawing your? I'm not going to be putting a bunch of names on the podcast. That stuff is going to be on the board um, as we go through this process. I put a couple names up that I think are are interesting to watch. Um, I think right now it is important to note that there are still major names entering the portal every day. And if you start filling up early, and then what we talked about, they're not going to have – this is not a situation where you're going to have a bunch of spots. Mm -hmm. So some patience is going to be required as they sort through things and figure some things out and figure out what guys are the right fit, what guys they think – uh are not only the right fit on the court but off the court there have some been there have been some guys that have have mentioned UC that honestly I don't think UC could touch uh given how their college careers have gone so far another thing important to remember with a lot of these guys that are in the portal that the numbers look good on the surface, but something seems a little off. It's probably because something's a little off. Like Caleb Love and his triangle. I'm not talking about him specifically. Maybe uh, a big man from the ACC that's originally from Ohio. Who has been a problem in his couple years of college. Real big man. Yes. Um, had a great start to last season, though. Yeah. Talented player. I, Talented. I, his talent was evident in high school. Oh, yeah. But the issues were also something that a lot of people talked about in high school. So you're doing a lot more than just like what, what fans are doing. Where it's, oh, look, this guy, this guy looks talented. Well, you got to get on the phone and start talking to people and people that know the kid and what the kid is is about. What's he going to be like when he's in your locker room? What's he going to be like when he's around your team? What's it going to be like if things, you know, if he hits a rough patch, like we'll go back to Kalu. What's going to happen if they come in and things don't click right away. Kalu was perfect. Didn't complain, wasn't an asshole, continued to work, worked his way back into the rotation, and was never a problem in the locker room. What you can't do is have somebody come in that has a bad two to three weeks, goes in the tank, and starts trying to drag everybody in the tank with them. So you have to be careful in the portal on these things. Like, not everything is perfect. Not everything is just cut and dry. Oh, that guy's talented. Bring him in and he'll be an instant fit with your team. A team, mind you, that lost David DeJulius and could lose Landers Nolly, which were kind of the two top of the roster veteran guys. Right. So there's going to need to be a new leadership structure developed at the top of this roster going into next year. Even Nolly, if you remember, he didn't really get to that leadership level until, like, what, two-thirds of the way through the season? Yeah. At least visibly from from a fan perspective. 
think of it like this, Matt. If I wanted to say a name, I would have. But putting that on wax isn't always the smartest thing to do. <laughs> um, yeah. My understanding, Case, uh, the meetings started yesterday, which is what I initially reported uh, on BCJ Thursday or Friday. Um, I think they were expected to wrap up today, but there could be one or two that, for whatever reason, roll into tomorrow. But um, I think they were completed today. If not, there might be one or two continuing tomorrow, but they should be done or almost done with that part of the process. Yeah. Uh yeah, and, and you know, Aaron mentioning the uh, Caleb Love triangle, and you know, a couple of other things that uh, <laughs> no pun intended there, <laughs> and the other things that obviously you know that quote unquote baggage, if you will. That's that's why it's good to have the the previous connections Aaron, to to set pun absolutely intended. That's uh that's why the it's, it's good to have previous connections with with said players. That's why you know Rank Mass it seems to be a guy that's picking up steam at. at from what you can tell online, it looks like another name that said he's having a Zoom uh, tomorrow with Cincinnati is, is Quincy Olivari uh, from Rice, Rice Guard, one of the top scorers in the country, averaged around 20 points per game. Um, another thing to follow, but, you know, as Chad mentioned, it's uh, there's going to be so many names. It seems like every single day there's a whole – List of hundred plus new names. It's not going to slow down anytime soon. So uh, it's going to it's going to be a trickle effect. It's going to be an effect where you know if even so, if if a team wants to bring in a player that they see in the portal and they need to get rid of another player in order to do so, then then that might be another possibility as well. Um, I don't know. It's a wild wild west out there. Good thing the Bearcats have wild wild west, and we're ready to. Ready to get it rolling. <laughs> I will tell you this. From some conversations I've had, interest in the Bearcats because of the addition to the Big 12, because of having that that flag flying, there's a lot of people reaching out uh, where it's not just Cincinnati, you know, cold calling. Right. There's a lot of people like, hey, here you got a, you got a spot or two at the top of your roster. Looking for uh, looking for uh, an impact guy. So, but they're gonna have to sort through it. That ain't that ain't the easy part. Well, further complicating everything is the NCAA releasing that they may restrict second time transfers and all of that. So we'll see how that unfolds. But something tells me that that won't be sweet memo. Sweet memo to drop well after the transfer portal windows wide open and all of that. Yeah. Like, what, what are we doing here? Into I, like, get your you shit know, I, together. Right. But you see that and it's just like, I mean, uh, are, are they really going to restrict someone because of a coaching change? Like, like it just, yeah. there's some of that stuff just on, on the baseline. It looks like, you know, okay. Interesting. But still, I think you're going to see a lot of second transfers, granted a waiver if, if, if they need it. I so. really don't think these are legal battles they want to... Right, exactly. All you have to do is claim claim mental health and are you going to go back and with a fine-tooth comb? It's, it's, it's like... It's, it's stupid. Speed, speed limit's 45 miles per hour here. All right. Well, okay. 
I'll make whole, sure and go 45. The whole thing's stupid. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it, obviously a lot of news will continue to trickle out. Uh, and, you know, it's a, it's going to be interesting to see as, as obviously next Monday will be, you know, the, the closing of the season, if you will. And that's when there will be a lot of important decisions made all around the country and ones that uh, could affect and, and could not affect as well. Um, well, remember, remember also, this is only the third year of the portal era, quote unquote, right? Right. And last, the, the first year, everything happened very fast, very fast. Yeah, like guys were just committing sight unseen, and and some of that was COVID related, where there were mm-hmm. still restrictions on visiting and you know whatever. And then last year, it was much more of a slow burn. Yeah, like much more of a slow burn, where guys were taking their time. They were having coaches come to their campus and meet with them, like Wes did with uh, or with uh, uh unnamed Cincinnati assistant. <clears throat> did with uh rick mast on saturday um it took a lot more for the situation to start playing out last year than it did this year or the year before sorry so we'll see what direction it goes as we start playing this thing out over the next two three weeks if guys are going to start taking visits and and really figuring out the process. I can tell you this, the, the, another thing that's changed that not a lot of people have talked about, now that it's allowed and it's becoming commonplace, all these dudes have agents, man. Yep. And the agents, much like free agency, are the ones working behind the scenes and negotiating deals and talking to collectives and this is a third phase of this that not a lot of people are talking about yet. Mm -hmm. But when I've talked to my coaching buddies around the country about how things have gone so far, it almost always starts with on each kid. Well, I talked to his agent and dot, dot, dot. Yeah. When it used to be, I talked to his guy. Or I talked to his AAU coach, or I talked to his uncle, or whatever. It almost always starts now with I talk to the agent. And that's, it's going to change how things play out. Because agents aren't emotional. Agents aren't uh, ultimately in the business of swaying where a kid goes. You know, in the past, we've talked about when a guy goes in the portal, most of the time, he's already got it figured out. Like a yeah. high-end guy hits the portal. Most of the time, he's already got mapped out. Like Figure out, yeah. These are the two or three schools. This one is probably where I'm going to go. We'll see if one of the other ones can catch up or you know, whatever the case may be. So things are going to be a little different now that like legitimate – agents ncaa certified agents are for a lot of these guys running the show yeah well it, it it's definitely a case-by-case basis too because i mean you saw jj starling enter the portal from notre dame and he committed to, to syracuse like the very next day and he's also from syracuse right well i, I mean there's plenty of those 
situations out there where it, where it will be kind of like that, you know, where it is kind of a where a kid's going a quick, home. Yeah, a lot of times yeah, a kid wants thing. to go home. Right, right, exactly. So, case by case basis. I I mean, I, I even was listening to a podcast with Danny Hurley but earlier today, and he mentioned how he uh, Joey California is what he called him. He didn't even know, know Joey Calcaterra's name when he committed to UConn right. last off season. He he said he recruited him, and then two days later he committed and. He he showed up and he called him Joey California because he didn't didn't know how to say his last name, <laughs> which is just how it is these days. Um, That's so, hilarious. It is an interesting uh, interesting time in college sports, but I mean, shoot, you look at it and you want to talk about parity. You want to talk about leveling the playing field and coaches needing to figure out different ways to build teams, different ways to win. I mean, welcome to to, to college basketball right now because you look at the final four you look at the elite eight I, I mean breaking records you know first first final four with no one two or three seed first elite eight without any one seeds it's just a a constant changing of the uh of the base and so I, it's gonna be interesting to see how west miller and, and and the staff approaches it and and now which they're they're pretty established heading into the big 12 like you said chad people reaching out them reaching out to people so we'll see We'll see, can, can they afford troubles? Can they afford top transfers yet from Case Ellis? Uh, while while they're not ready to be at the absolute top of the market, um, I don't think they are limping into the conversation this year with NIL. I think they're at least prepared. That's the best I can put it. I don't have exact numbers. I don't know specifically, um, but I do know. They're not fighting with both hands tied behind their back. Yeah. Day one ready. Uh, Hooray. Look, man, day one ready changes every day is the problem in this landscape. <laughs> what was day one ready 10 days ago is not day one ready anymore. So that's where you got to be ready. That's where it's tough. Who's the Jonah Hill from Moneyball on this staff? Uh, I think his name's Drew. Hello, Drew. Um, but yeah, and and then of course the the whole weird part of all of this is is how high school fits into the whole puzzle. You know what I mean? It's uh, less and less important every day. Right. Exactly. If you're yeah. not a top fifty kid, it's less and less important every day. Crazy. Yep. And you're going to see a lot of good high school players go to these colleges that you know might swing and miss in the in the portal or decide to. Continue to go the high school route, and I, the whole thing is going to be very interesting to to, to monitor and to, and continue to see. So, um. here's here's what I do think is um is an interesting takeaway from this year. I think UConn excluded because I think four of the top five highest rated recruits. I think the top four highest rated recruits in this final four are all at UConn. Um. But a place like FAU, mm -hmm. a place like San Diego State, which many forget two years ago was 30-2 and two, uh, yeah. when, when COVID shut everything down. Like they were going into that NCAA tournament as a Final Four contender. Um, I think you're going to see even more, and, and maybe it will decrease as the COVID seniors – start to not be a thing. But what people don't realize, 
we're still two and three seasons away from those guys that got the free. Everybody that was in college basketball in 2020 got a COVID year. Mm-hmm. So there are still in 2025 going to be guys with a COVID year. Um, but how much of that creates this bubble where there can be a team like FAU that just built a special group very slowly, very steadily. That team made the CBI and the, the CIT and Dusty May's first year, the, the CBI last year. They had not made the NIT. They had not made the NCAA tournament. Uh, but then this year with their core, they caught lightning in a bottle. And not just in the NCAA tournament, all season. Like that's a 33 or four win team or whatever it is right now. Mm-hmm. They caught lightning in a bottle and have a group ready to make a run. How much of that are we going to see over the next two, three years until this COVID year like works its way through the system and you have guys that should have been out of college basketball? Yeah, I I mean, and, and you look at all, a lot of those teams too, kind of do a mix. Of, yeah, well, and even Florida Atlantic, like, yes, they they're they're all technically because of the COVID year, they're, they're all young. I I mean, mm-hmm. a lot of sophomores, a couple freshmen, a couple juniors, um, like, the, but they're the one team that doesn't that's not very transfer, you know laden uh even like really are not as much even miami as much as they talked about they just went out and spent right on nigel pack and isaiah wong like two surefire impact guys and jordan miller came from uh george mason as well yeah but they didn't spend half a million dollars on him yeah or eight hundred thousand dollars you know what i mean like they went out and they said okay we have $1.25 $1.25 million to go get two awesome players in the portal right? that are going to transform our program. Mm-hmm. And they went out and did it, and it worked. Yeah. I, I mean, it, it's, it's just an interesting dynamic is like, yes, get the pieces around, get a hand, you know, one, two, three, four members from the transfer portal. And if it takes one or two of those from the transfer portal a year or two to get up to the level you want it to be, then let that happen. And then before you know it, you've got a, got a squad full and ready. Um, it's, that's just parody as well. I think around, I, it's just the whole, the whole thing is strange because, you know, it used to be the whole freshman, uh, you know, try and get, get all five stars and, and yeah. build around them. Now well, there's only one true freshman. I think that starts in, on the final, all final four teams. Here's also something that's important to note. We have not seen a great freshman class in a couple of years. Yeah, that's true. And this, this 2023 class is not one either. It's not like, it's just like, are there good players? Yeah. I mean, is they, it a class where like there's 10 or 12 five stars that are going to go somewhere and be like major lottery pick? type guys we haven't seen that for a couple of years no that well i mean they, the main thing about this class 2023 was that they struggled to figure out who was number one in the class for 
ever, I feel like. And I still don't think they all know the answer to who's number one in the class. That's because I don't there's no there's, there's no, no standout. Yeah. Right. Like this guy's the number one. Well, I mean, Victor Wimayana is the number one player in the class in the he's world. Just not yeah. Right. Yeah. Playing high school basketball. Like yeah. and he's not gonna play in, in college. So and and there's the the twins that are at overtime elite mm-hmm. that are elite Scoot, talents. Scoot's one of them too. Scoot, Scoot Henderson, yeah, the yeah. the second best. But but these are all guys that are eligible for the draft coming up, not high school that have right. But these up. guys aren't going to college. I know. And, I know. This I, is what I'm saying. Like right. you wonder why it's different now, where you can't go get four or five stars to come to your college and be the dominant team in NCAA basketball. Because the best one, <laughs> it's watered down. And and what do most of these guys do if they have a chance? They move up. Like uh, Gigi Jackson would have been the lock number one player in this class. And instead, he enrolled early, went to South Carolina, didn't do anything really. Like, he was okay, but like, didn't, didn't set the world on fire, right? But he would have been the locked number one in this class if he had stayed in this class. And you have guys going, starting their clock, going the pro route, yep. and not playing in college basketball. So that has changed. And guess what? In 2024, one and done is coming back. Mm-hmm. Now more than ever. It is about establishing your culture, building a roster, and supplementing the roster with two or three transfers that fill your obvious gaps. We need a we need a big physical two guard and a rim protecting bid. And if we do that with everything else that we've got going on, like, okay, we've got a team. But that was always a mess, Andrew. That it didn't matter if Amani stayed in the same class. The the, the like, quote that the quote that Chad's responding to is Amani is the cautionary tale of reclassifying, though. Chad forgot he was. That's the cautionary that. tale of be careful of kids whose dads are fucking crazy. Or or ranking a kid as the next Kevin Durant as a sophomore, and then he doesn't. He was man. He was. I know. And then he, he just was. didn't. I, I saw it. And then I, his dad screwed him up. Right. Didn't let him play. And in the right type of situations, had, let yeah, him just screw him up. Like, man, I, I remember a quarterback like that. Uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> interesting. A little, little. no, no, he's talking about the oh, yeah, Luther, I know who he's talking Luther about. Hobbit entered the uh transfer portal, I'm making a, a funny friend. I, I know I, who he was talking about. I just I, I made a pun about Luther Muhammad entering the transfer portal. <laughs> All right. Um, but what? Uh, Aaron, were you, were you done with the combo? No, he's ready for the mailbag. We're All already right. at two hours and six minutes. Yes. Uh, well, real quick, uh, I saw Flory Badunga play this. this uh, yeah, there you go. I did want to get to that. Flory Badunga. So, uh, pretty interesting. Flory, like, didn't really blow the top off in the first half. And then the third quarter came around, and you saw why – there were, you know, why you saw Mike Woodson and his entire staff there and Coach Cal- Calipari sitting next to Tom Izzo and 
you know, the whole staff from Michigan there, and you saw Bruce Pearl sitting down there. And that third quarter, he, he did absolutely everything except for make free throws, but, you know, that's something that can be taught. Uh, but he's showed why he is the type of player that he is. Right? Sounds like a Bruce Pearl kind of big from what I saw in the tournament, just saying. Yes. I mean, yes. not making free throws, but can do everything else. I mean, a lot a lot of people are like that. But I know. He, he had a block. I'm, I'm sure you, you've seen it on Twitter. He had a block. And then it led to a fast break in an alley-oop that he, that he dunked for an and one. And the big man he played against wasn't, you know, some shtick. He's a pretty good player going to play at Valpo next year. Um, I, But, I mean, obviously, Flory's a, a big-time talent, and the amount of people there on hand were pretty obvious why he's he's being recruited at the height that he is. Um, Chad, any anything that you can spill, not spill, or just update, on the whole Florian Badunga saga. He's good at basketball. He really is. Everybody wants him. Now the season's over, and they'll sit down and, and start to work through their process. The same as I've been saying the entire time, and everybody wants to like, like act like they have information that's different. The information has never changed. Like This is what we always thought. What we always knew was going to be the process, and now they will sit down uh, and they will talk it out. And then uh, the one thing that I did report is the reason Cincinnati was not there. They only have one visit left with Flory uh, in this in his junior cycle, mm-hmm. uh, and they are going to be using that for a school visit here in a couple weeks. Once we get into April, after his family and all his people sit down and start to kind of work through what's next. They didn't want to use the final visit to go sit there with, you weren't getting any one-on-one time with Flory at the Indiana state championship. You were just there to show your face like in an AAU game. Okay, great. But what did you really accomplish when you can have one visit left and go and, you know, make your pitch uh, after they have sat down and started figuring out what's next. Um, still very real that he stays in 2024. It is far from a sure thing that he moves up to 2023. Uh, personal opinion, how many more six, four white kids does he have to dunk on in Indiana? <laughs> I mean, he was dunking on a six, nine guy, which so, I think I know. He, now imagine him against he, the six four white kids on Coco's schedule. He met the final boss, I guess. And yeah. He succeeded. Boss, but, the team didn't, but right. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, but if you're the people advising him and you have stake in Kokomo basketball, mm-hmm. you, you want him back on your team next year. <laughs> and I mean the amount of fans that were there in attendance. Yeah, you know, he was the last one. You know, there were seniors in the starting lineup for Kokomo, and he was the last one introduced. And of course, got, he's got the, the loudest applause. Yeah, oh, for sure. And, and no, no one's there to see the Ben Davis kids play. You know, it was, it's all they were undefeated and like one of the best teams in the history of Indiana high school basketball, they're, right? They're ranked top 15 in the country. It's, yeah. yes, it's, it's a, I mean, it was a good game up until the fourth quarter started, but, um, yeah, yeah like you said, all those coaches were. Just sitting, you know, front row, courtside. Calipari left at halftime. Told, uh, told 
Orlando Artigua to stay and and you know where where your Kentucky loud and proud. But yeah, it was a uh, a lot of a lot of coaches there, a lot of people uh, there to take in Flory and and I guess just let them know, hey, I'm here. But that's talking hoops. That's talking hoops. All right. Well, that is the uh, navigating the transfer portal segment. Um, it's tough believe, to navigate. I, I believe Chad had to take a phone call. So um, we'll go ahead and timestamp this, though. Anyway, the quick paper supply timestamp uh, quick paper supply, your local and family owned restaurant supply company for all of your non food products, including cups, styrofoam containers, napkins, etc., etc. Call Nick at 513-470-2029 and reference Bearcats for 20% off your first month of purchases. Uh, with that said, let's go ahead and get this mailbag open because um, it's been a long show thus far. Well, um, it was neat, though. I get Our it. Boy. Not for not for a bad reason, but it's just been a long show. We're already at 212. Uh, starting in the football section of the mailbag, uh, am I being overly paranoid or should we already be concerned with our 2024 football recruiting class or lack thereof? I know the stats. I know. Can I finish reading? I know the staff is playing catch up, but what's your sense based on junior day visits on who we could likely see being the first commit to kick off the 2024 class? Luke Fickle's first year, the Josh Wiley, uh, Malik Van class, things really didn't get started moving. Uh, Ty Van Fossen committed first, right around the start of spring ball. Now, that was a situation where Ty Van Fossen played at Luke Fickle's high school. So, obviously, Luke had some really good connections there. Uh, everything else took a little bit to develop. And then they went through the spring, guys visited, and dominoes started falling. If we get to June, and this class isn't starting to take shape, panic. But for now, signing day is not until December, guys. We gotta get we gotta get through who's coming after spring ball first. December. <laughs> Signing day starts in December. Relax. I, I think people just got caught, and, and I get this because you get used to the rhythm yeah. of things as the rhythm of things develops. And the rhythm for Fickle that they had started to get was they would get maybe one or two early commits like before the turn of the calendar. Um, and then by June, they would be almost done. The other thing to remember, an important thing to remember, the staff's, is been the, calendar... here for... <laughs> the staff's only been here for like two months. No, can let me finish. The calendar has changed in football recruiting. And the most important window now is the June official visit window. We had like 36 guys commit in, in 18 hours last year. Remember that? When I went to the Fish concert, and while I was at the Fish concert, guys were just committing every 45 minutes. Mm -hmm. Was I still writing at that point? 
No, that was Mick. No. Thank goodness. Yeah. yeah, that was Mick. You would know if you were. That was Mick. Well, I feel like I had um, a waterfall of kids committing even the the when right. I was writing. Look, I think I think if you were to place a bet on the over under on when the first commitment would happen sooner than later. All right. Is what I would recommend you place your wager. If I get a if I get a a prop on Betfred and there's a sooner or later uh option on when Cincinnati will get his first commitment of this class, I would bet sooner. Well, kind of like an over under a little bit. Ne- next year would be the only year you could use sooner because after that that year is out of the vocabulary of the Big Twelve. Moving on. I mean the only well, thing I gotta add real quick on that wow. is you you are starting to see on Twitter Stop, Aaron. You are starting to see on Twitter that recruits 2024 dropping their top threes, dropping their top sevens that do include Cincinnati. So uh, they're they're there. They're they're rolling. They're recruiting. So thank you for the nuggets. Saturday, Saturday, Saturday. What is one thing you would change for our next round of uniforms? Personally, I would like to see some sort of chrome helmet added to the lineup. Uh, Ryan, let's start with you. What would you like to see change for the next round of uniforms? And what was your favorite thread, too? Uh, I'd say my favorite thread's all black. Um, I don't, I kind of like those, the throwbacks, the red throwbacks, those were sick. Um, maybe doing one more uh, throwback kind of jersey like that. I think we had some, some cool uniforms back in the day, but. I mean, I I wouldn't I I wouldn't want to see a chrome helmet. I think I don't really think mm, I'm not in. I'm not in on chrome. Yeah, I don't. Know. It's tacky. I, like I think it looks tacky. Yeah, I know. I I I'm not a big uniform guy. You know, I kind of like I kind of like our traditional stuff. Um, so I'm not really the best guy to go to for that. But if you guys right. got something, I'd love Brent, to hear. what you got? You know, I'm I'm with whoever said it in the chat. Uh, we have the best color combination out there. I just, I just beg, don't mess with the with the all black uniforms on Nip at Night. That is, that th- there's nothing that gets me quite going like seeing the all black uniforms at Nip at Night. I like the the comment. Matt Black helmets. Matt Black is is pretty sick. Uh, Matt Red is also pretty good. Chad, anything you got? Swoosh. I was gonna say that was that was mine. Is I would love to see a different brand. So, which we're getting, I believe. I love. All right, uh, everyone is super anxious about Chad. I'm putting you on mute. My goodness, uh, everyone's super anxious about Satterfield, given his relatively modest showing at Louisville and your limited exposure to him. Are there things you really like, or on the other hand? Uh, uh, on the other hand, are there things that make you a little concerned? Uh, uh, I I get just a little, kind of a little concerned just about the passiveness of him, but that's just his coaching style, and that's something I'm not really used to. Um, I I just you know, not I get anxious about him. Like that's what I kind of stress towards Nico about the recruiting of the Midwest and this area and how big it is and how much success I think I brought, it brought us. I'm not losing sight of that. Um, 
that's that's my two big anxieties towards him. I really like that he has embraced um, what was done before him and is trying to build off of it. I think that's great. I think that's crucial for him. Um, but I do think, you know, I'm, I do like that he is trying to bring his, his, his own side of things, you know, not because that's what you got to do. You can't dwell on what was before you. So I'm, I'm just, a, you know, it's, it's not the best situation for him, but he's had success um, in other places he's been at. And I don't think Louisville is the best example, but everywhere prior, but I think it's just going to have to see what we get come fall. That's when the real shit starts showing. It's a lot of different ways to skin a cat, Ryan. Yeah. I know you like you, you, you liked your way to skin a cat because it worked and it was great, but that doesn't mean that's the only way to do it. Yeah. And like the thing I thing I think that's interesting is this is going to be a guy that knows there aren't going to be a lot of stops after this if he doesn't win big at Cincinnati. Like he he had his come up with his smaller school that he built up and made into a small school power and won huge and accomplished great things. And then he got the Louisville job. And we know that there was, you know, a, a win big first year, a two-year lull, and then, you know, kind of a bounce back last year. But he knows here, like, if, if, if I struggle, if we don't get this thing right, I'm not getting another big job. Like, I, I'm not... I'm not going to ride this thing out forever because this is a football program that's made it clear. Like they have their sights set very high. He's going to get a decent leash, but if you're three or four years in and he hasn't won, they're going to move on because that's, that's how this works. And if they move on then you failed at Louisville, you failed at Cincinnati, two places that have had a lot of success and played in BCS polls and, Played in, you know, major New Year's Six Bowls. And if you can't win at those two places, why is anybody else at a high level going to step in and hire you? So the pressure is on him. I think he knows it. But he's just not a – he's not a Luke Fickle, like – he's not a wrestler, if you will. He's from rural North Carolina. They have a different – uh, cut to their gym and we're going to have to get used to it and we'll see if it works in the big 12. And if not, we'll be looking for a new coach in four or five years. I think the defense is going to be really good again. I really do. I talked to a veteran defensive player today who said, now the defense is starting to make sense. The terminology is starting to make sense and they're starting to play uh, a little faster and they really like Brian Brown and what that uh, is going to mean for the way that this defense plays. I get some Marcus Freeman vibes, Ryan, from Brian Brown. I do. Foot on the gas. Just go. Play fast, play aggressive, try to beat the hell out of the quarterback and, you know, make plays. And if you can do that defensively, Hopefully the offense can uh, 
can come around. Right now, it's not been a good start to spring ball for the offense. All right. Would Coach Satterfield ever really give Ben a shot at quarterback with the type of offense he likes? Will Prater stay at quarterback and be given much of a chance at quarterback? Would he give Ben a shot? Yeah. If Ben's the best quarterback, and again, tried to express this last year. The coach is going to go with the quarterback he thinks gives him the best chance to win games because those big contracts are associated with winning games. And you're going to start the quarterback that gives you the chance to keep your job. It's, again, my favorite Mick Cronin line from his time at Cincinnati. And that is in relation to basketball when he said every April – they tie you back to the tracks, and by every March, you better figure out a way to get yourself untied because the train's coming. And, and the train's coming. The only way you get off is the best quarterback on your roster being on the field. Evan, he's a quarterback. Evan has no interest in playing anything but quarterback. And there was one more question in the um football mailbag for Nico but we it came in late and we didn't get to it um so we'll see save that Reed, one I covered, Reed I covered that question uh in the notes today so it's on the site since everybody is upset with me for not putting notes on the site there you go all right uh moving on to the basketball portion of the mailbag if you keep only six players um, on the basketball roster, who would you keep, not including incoming players? This isn't a question about who you think will transfer out or leave the program, but rather who would you want to build the program with while taking into account next season? I don't know if I love this question just because it's kind I'm of not doing this. to shit on players. Um, I'm not doing this. I get he's. I don't think you're coming from a bad place. I agree. JD, but I, it, it only creates a narrative that uh, I don't think is is good. So we will. We'll Dan, I keep Dan and Vic. <laughs> we'll, we'll, <laughs> I got we'll, two. We'll leave that one alone. Um, who do you believe was the most improved player on the roster this season, and your top three for player improvement this season? Um, I think Vic was pretty clearly until he got hurt the most improved player. And then when Vic got hurt, Odie yep. stepped in and showed drastic improvement. Um, I think I would round it out with Dan. I would say Dave. Yeah, Dave. Dave compared to Dave, his first two years at Cincinnati was, there was a substantial improvement year over year. I'd make the argument that I don't know how much of that was him improving versus having other skill players around him, but well, sure, but you still have to do it. Yeah, well, I think Dan improved more. Bearcat man would argue Nolly year, I guess year beginning to year ending. Landers Nolly was an all ACC freshman and an all AAC first team performer. Uh. He did improve a ton. There's no argument there. 
but he was a really good player when he got here. All right. Um, archetypes. I, less- and, uh, also, I, I wouldn't compare last year at Memphis, Bearcat Man. He's comparing his numbers this year to last year at Memphis. Compare his first team all AAC year at Memphis and his all freshman year at Virginia Tech. And things aren't all that far off between those three years. Last year at Memphis was a shit show because of Amani Bates and Jalen Duran and the riff in that team between old and new. That was a disaster for most of the year in Memphis. That should have been like a final four team. <laughs> it should have been. Should have been. All right. Archetypes Wes is most looking for in the portal. Uh, front of the roster players potentially in the Big 12. It really doesn't matter what they look like. You don't have enough of them. You have to go get a couple. And that's going to come down to relationships and who you know. And, uh, yeah. So I don't think there's any specific, like, they are looking for dot, dot, dot. I think they're looking for let's go find some really good players at positions of need, one being a big man, one potentially being uh, a shooter on the wing. Uh, I don't think there's any specific like this is the prototype that Wes is looking for. You have to go get to frontline Big 12 starters in the portal this year. You have to. All right. How are the new basketball locker room renovations progressing? I have no idea. All right. I don't <laughs> know why I said progressing weird. Progressing. There we go. Um, we'll ask. We'll get Tobes on, and we'll talk about it when he can talk about it. I, I've not. I've not been back there to see them. I would imagine they're going well, and that they are creating the locker room that was designed for them to create. The rest of the question was, it feels a little like this has been lost in the shuffle with all the other things going on. Any details of an expected completion date, what new amenities have been added, and what it will look like? No, I don't I don't have any of that. All right. Uh, Wes, is Wes happy with the amount of NIL money he will have for next year's team? Does it allow him to make a splash in the portal this year for next year's team? Hypothetical situation, you can land Oregon transfer. Kalel, where shortly, or you can take your chance and wait on a decision from Flory. What are you doing? Flory is the best player they could get, so I would wait on Flory. Uh, but I, I think they're comfortable with where their NIL money is at for this offseason, and we'll see how it plays out. Yes, okay. I think it allows them to make a splash. I think they're in position to add two Big 12-level starters to this team. Can they? We'll find out. Hurry up and wait. Does the staff set the end of the year conversations in a specific order, i.e. they want to talk to guys at the top of the roster first, last, or is it a random order? It's I, it's alphabetical. Yeah, they just have meetings with everybody within like 36 hours. I mean, I it's, don't a think fa- there's a, it's a fair question. I, I can understand why you'd be curious yeah, about it. Right. Like, Yeah, I just don't think that they sit down – like, okay, we're going to meet with this guy first, and this guy's like, here's the order of the meetings. I think it's like, we're going to meet with everybody between Sunday and Monday, 
and maybe Tuesday. So I'm sure have, there might be some sort of like prioritization. Oh yeah, like what the leaders in first to kind of tell them how we feel and then get their thoughts on things. I I don't know, but I'm sure players talk to each other too. So it's it's probably yeah. Like I, I don't think it's I don't think it's something that's um top of mind in terms of I don't, like if it played out over a week. I think that would be like a, a, a an important question. Yeah. But it happened so fast that I don't know that there's like <laughs> play spin the bottle with the giant locker post. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Mm. All right. Um an AAC question for you all. How many AAC conference games next year do you think will draw fewer fans than the Division Three Ohio Women's State Basketball Championship game did this year? 3,312 reported attendance. Here's the great thing, Bearcat man. We never have to care. I don't care. Ever. The other thing is, like, the teams that are coming in are on heaters right now from Conference USA. Heaters! They could win the triple crown. Right. <laughs> like, it's it's wild. Mike Oresco is just sitting there cackling from I'm, his uh, evil lair. I'm curious how many of those teams have gyms that are going to be in the AAC that can hold 3,312 people. <laughs> <laughs> Fair. Football. Football stadiums that can hold 3,300. That have, on average attendance, 3,300 people. <laughs> Looking at you, Houston. All right. They're, they're going they're, to the Big 12. I know, they're going so. to the Big 12. <laughs> they might actually have attendance from all the other Texas schools coming in. Um, anyway, uh, and the last part of the bag, Skins. I'm back short on time as I'm doing this on my phone at a neurologist appointment for my wife. Uh, rapid fire. Who wins the BCJ triathlon? Mile run, 200-meter swim, and a three-mile bike ride. Royer. I mean, come on. Can you swim? I can. I get really tired, but I can swim. He's the only I used one to of... do I used to do triathlons, but we did um we did run bike canoe instead of swim. So me and my dad would do two man triathlons where we would run, bike, and canoe and not yeah. cabrew, Royer. Not <laughs> there were no beers involved. If, yeah. if we can remove one of those and, and like make it like a Maybe like each beer you drink, you take off like a certain part of things. I'd, I'd put my name up there, no doubt. It's Royer. He's the only one. We have. Act, he's the only one who actually yeah, works the out. Athletic part, Royer for sure. Uh, I, we have an athlete that blocked a punt in a college football game. Brent, when was the last time you went to a gym? Uh, it was on Friday, actually. Did you? Woo! Did. Let's did go, Brent. What did I do? Yeah. At the gym. Yeah. Oh, I, so I did a deck of cards. I don't know if you guys know what that is. Um, Royer probably knows. I don't know uh, that one. Oh, so it's you, you designate a certain workout for each uh, suit. So burpees, uh, V-ups, squats, and push-ups. And then uh, got some work in on the uh, elliptical. And then uh, all I stand day. corrected. Well done, Brent. Well done. When's the last time you've been to a gym, Aaron? Fuck if I know. <laughs> right. Wait, waiting in the car for Rachel to go. To <laughs> right. That's I, I was in the gym all weekend. 
True. Um, Watching Kelsey play volleyball. New Orleans or Miami? Miami. New Orleans. New Orleans. Miami. Miami. New Orleans. For the food alone, New Orleans. New Orleans. Love me some Bourbon Street. Um, Miami's got great food there, by the way. I know. Cuban food. I I prefer Cajun. Um, Who wins Game of Horse of the BCJ staff? I'll put my name out there. Ah, I got a little strap on me though. Come on. Okay. Little 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 berserk berserk. Right. I got a little John Moran on me. I mean little, it's little John. It's horse. I think anybody can make a run. It's like the final four. Let's go. Okay. I like it. I wouldn't make myself the favorite, but I've I've got some horse shots over yeah, the some, year that, some of the secret shots. Yeah, you know, I got some stuff that would, you know. Put people put, put people in a blender. You got to do it as a granny shot, yep. <laughs> right? Like, I got some horse shots, right? <laughs> Can't That's, hit the rim. That's the mailbag. Oh, there you go. Look, man. Nico's a friend. Quick, a quick friend. Yeah. That guy was so excited to be on with us. Mm-hmm. I know. Or he played us, and he was just full of shit. No, either I, way, I, I didn't get that vibe. <laughs> I didn't either. I think he had a great time, and he like he was he legitimately was like I don't know 30, 45 minutes, and we were at an hour and ten, and he was gaining momentum. He was picking up steam. He he was still ready for more. <laughs> so I'm excited about that from this show. That's the the, the one thing I like take away from this one. We're, we're going to have a great relationship with Nico and when it comes time after spring ball and they get into summer workouts, we're going to be able to get him on here and talk about who's standing out and, and who we need to look for as we get moving to camp. And that's a, uh, that's a very good thing for our members. Get us out of here, Brent. Well, it was a fantastic, <laughs> fantastic show. Yet again, special thank you to our man, Nico Palazzetti. Another special thank you, of course, to Danco Transmission and Auto Care and Quick Paper Supply. But uh, for my guys, my pals, no games this week. Well, well, baseball. There's baseball. But aside from that, no games. No games till August. Spring practice. Plenty of basketball happenings. So stay locked in to BCJ throughout the week. But yet again, guys, for my 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 pals, Aaron Smith, Chad Brendel, and Ryan Roy, I am Brent Young. Yet again, another fantastic. BBP presented by BearcatJournal.com. See ya!